Gavin. Hey, Louie. How you doing, girly? Good. This is very weird for me because not the fact that you're here, okay. but you're like here, and then we also have guests. I feel like we're at a diner and we're like sitting next to each other in the mm -hmm. booth, like we're at a um, like at a sitcom, you know? And yeah. Why were they sitting next to each other? Yeah. Who, well, because we're cheating out to the audience. We're cheating out, and our audience is our guests for this episode. <laughs> yes, um, everyone, listeners, dear listeners, you are in for such a treat today. Um, we are starting the year off right. Our last episode was our 2021 year in review. We talked about movies, a lot about Dear Evan Hansen. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but this, you should apologize. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really apologetic for that. Um, but we're starting our first, um, uh, and this episode's been kind of in the works for a little while. Um, uh, and I, we want to introduce your, um, our lovely, lovely guests. Um, it's Damien and Anne from, you might know her from with Damien and Anne. Hi guys. Hello. Hi, Gavin and Louie. It's so good to see you. Thanks for having us. We're going to just like gush and gush yeah. forever and ever about, I mean, why don't you guys do it? Tell tell our <laughs> listeners about your show just so I don't like fucking like lose my mind. Just Louie's actually never heard it. He's just pretending right now. He's very <laughs> polite. So. Um, the premise of our show is that we talk to each other. We are longtime friends, but then every episode we interview a, we will say a character actress, uh, but a, an actor who doesn't get enough shine. And, you know, we've had a lot of people like Kathleen Turner and Anne H and yes. Kimberly Elise and Lori Petty and Lainey Kazan and Leslie Ann Warren and who else in? Uh, Tashina Arnold, Dale Dickey. We have Francis Fisher coming up. So It's just like icons, legends, stars. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally, so listeners out there, um, Damien and Anne messaged us and said, hey, we want to come on and we, let's do um, our, our topic for today. Spoiler, is Olivia Newton-John. And so through that journey of watching her movies, I was watching Sorted Lives and literally <laughs> as I'm watching Sorted Lives for the first time, I see Beth Grant, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the perfect, uh, you might know her from. And then Derek's like, yeah, that episode's amazing. I was like, oh fuck, they already have that episode. Yeah, she is in everything. Oh yeah, she absolutely is. She went to, like, she's from the same alma mater as one of my friends, Crazy. and he found her yearbook picture. Amazing. And she looks the same. It's the weirdest thing. I love it. An excellent episode, by the way. Oh, she was so, so good. good. She's incredible. She apparently she sent us this thing that said Harvard Business Review like did a breakdown of the actresses that have made the most money per box office. And because she has been in so many big movies and so many best picture winners, she is like the actress that has made the most money <laughs> for box offices in the history of like American she, cinema. She's like, hey, Disney, actually, I'm a really bankable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. We're like, we love you, Beth Grant. Yes. Um, I do want to mention, by the way, because you did bring up that you interviewed Leslie Ann Warren. You also just interviewed uh, two episodes ago, Colleen Camp. Clue is my favorite movie of all mm. time. So okay. and whenever you guys say, like, we know when when somebody says Clue, like they're for us. I'm like, yes, my people. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, I could not. Both of those interviews are so, so good. And Leslie, getting Leslie Ann Warren on record being like, I did not like the new Cinderella. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I was we dead. debated. We debated right before we went into the interview. Like, will we? She's not going to say it if she doesn't like it. Like, we hated it, but yeah. she'll never say that on the record. And we're like, let's just keep it in. We can edit it out if she says something stupid. And she's like, it was sarcastic. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yes. Why are the stepsisters lament is not as a solo song? That is dumb. And she was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, she's correct. You two are correct. The, the last episode I listened to was Constance Marie because I literally am watching with love and <gasps> loving every moment of it. It's, it's so, so sweet. It's so good. And also, so her talking about casually meeting Princess Diana, 
I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? I How know. How did I not know that Constance Marie, like, mother of all Tejanos and Latinos everywhere, like, right. was a dancer with David Bowie meeting Princess Diana? Like, what? That footage of her in skis yes. in the Glass Spider tour is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Where we get to like unearth what actors do, what they mm-hmm. did before, what they do on the side. I think that was like the coolest thing anybody did before they became an actor. So cool. absolutely, I know we we're letting you guys take over. <laughs> we're, we're just complimenting your show, but you have interviewed <laughs> the most beautiful human in the world, Sarita Chowdhury. Hundred mm. uh, percent agree. And, and like literally now back back in the news because of and just like that, which is something I'm still not watching, but I'm enjoying your guys's recap. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can talk Wait, about Gavin, it. Are you going to watch it ever? I or don't. It's just like, yeah, my sister was a huge Sex in the City fan, so much so that when I first moved to New York City for her birthday, I bought her tickets to the tour and, mm-hmm. and like got her the like, I don't remember all the Sex in the City. Oh, I got her to see the first movie at um. A time, Times I Square Theater? Gonna, I thought you were going to say, like, I got the Sarah Jessica Parker pumps for myself. Yes, I did. The Manolos. <laughs> um, I got her to see the movie at the at the Times Square Theater, and a fight broke out Ooh. over <laughs> two ladies over seats. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And that's culture in New York City, baby. Exactly. That is that's the fifth lady, New York City. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, like, I am not a huge, but I, by, like, proxy. You know what it was? It was the Alanis Morissette episode where she was like, bisexuality is <sighs> for children. I was like... I'm out. I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> I just rewatch. I just rewatched that episode. We, I just was talking about it earlier today, and I was saying how it like defined. It like made me. It was like what I thought of bisexual people at the time yeah. because I was like, oh yeah, they're selfish. Oh yeah, bisexual <laughs> men are just on their way to gay town. And then I like rewatched, it and I was like, this is awful. This is yeah, so it's pretty toxic. Awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> P.S. Everyone, hi, welcome to the Mixed Reviews. <laughs> oh yes, we are a film podcast in which we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we do a big history of everything that's happened. Or in this case, it's going to be kind of a brief history. A brief history, and, <laughs> and then we talk about the things that we like and the things that we don't necessarily like so much. Yeah, we we do the deep dive for Olivia. It wasn't that deep. No, it was a shallow dive. Um, but we're really. Ex- I mean, I hadn't seen Xanadu. I know, which is shocking. I know. Um, P.S. Damien, I think I, I saw you tweet that you took an edible and started to watch. I was like, I looked over at Derek. I was like, babe, we need to be on shrooms right now. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. We get into We're going to get into all of the stuff. Um, thank you, girlies, for listening. Um, there is no um, old news because... We have, um, there was no poll because there was no picks yeah. last time. What were we going to do? Ask you guys your favorite movie of the year and then yeah. be like, here's ours. <laughs> Only picked from these two. And then everyone's going to vote for Godzilla versus Kong. And it's like, okay, Absolutely. we get it. But okay, with all the pleasantries out of the way, I did want to ask, because we did talk about our favorite movies last year, I wanted to ask you two, what was your favorite movie that you saw last year? Oh, God. Uh, like a current movie? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Why not? Gonna... Deep dive, too, I'm if like... you can. <laughs> You're like, I watched The Secret of Nim for the 90th yeah, time. We, it's so good. Um, I'm trying to think of what I saw last year. I didn't. I used to be a person that watched every Oscar movie and sure. like positioned myself for that. And mm-hmm. then I, at some point along the way, I did stop doing that. I mean, my favorite movie was West Side Story um, because I'm basic. Uh, but and, and Gavin's was very more highbrow than mine. <laughs> um, mine was... Uh, the card counter. My brain went blank. Uh, but yeah, that's what it was. So My favorite movie of the year, and I feel like Anne is going to maybe agree with me, it was Passing by, mm-hmm. directed by Rebecca Hall. Um, I thought it was so excellent. I'm sad that more people aren't talking about it. I thought it was like such a 
like lean screenplay. I thought the performances were really good. I thought Ruth, Ruth Nega was like phenomenal and gorgeous uh, just, looking movie. Just like really beautiful. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was like really expertly done and it made me, uh, I liked Rebecca Hall, but, um, but it made me for sure like more interested in what she will do next. Yeah. I 100% agree. I thought the movie was great. Um, to add something else into the mix, a movie that I thought I wouldn't like at all, but then did end up liking a lot was Tick, Tick, Boom. And I don't know if it was because I. You know, here. it really was just like, I thought I loved that musical. It was very important to me as a teenager. I like met Raul Esparza twice when he was in Cabaret <gasps> and it, like up. had him sign my tick, tick, boom. Like I was a nerd. Um, and I no, lived no, in Missouri that... and I came to New York and it was like, I must see Raul Esparza. Um, because I was also like hot for him in Rocky Horror. Anyway, I love tick, tick, boom. And I thought the movie, I was never an Andrew Garfield fan. I like didn't care about him as a stage actor. I just was not that impressed. And I really was like, he is what they say. I feel like that movie right. lived up to the hype I had heard about. I had tried to ignore it. And then if I had scheduled a time to watch it with my in-laws and my partner and like it was the day that Steven Sondheim died that Ugh. morning was announced and I was like it was just the most yeah. emotional cathartic yeah. movie screening of my life and so I don't know I really do think separate from the emotional moment of the day it really I think was a beautiful film and Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't even that important to me but I think he did a really good job with it same agree um, hard same you guys pitched us a couple things oh yes um, you pitched us Sally Hawkins which we would love to do and we probably will get to at some point but then you also pitched just Olivia Newton-John and we've never had two guests with both hosts right and so our episodes are long as they are and I was like let's let's do ONJ yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. to, yeah. just to keep it brief yeah. uh but what what she's got like three movies <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I was able to find eight <laughs> and I watched seven of them um but uh I do have to ask, what is it about Olivia Newton-John? Like, what what were you, what was going through your guys' brain that you were like, Olivia Newton-John? Well, let's be honest. We're big fans of the show, and we went through the entire catalog. And we were like, <laughs> Glenn Close? No. I don't know. We had, like, a whole list yeah. of names, and we were like, okay, they've already done this person, this person, this person, this person. Um, so, Grease is something that it, Damien and I are both unapologetically unironically very emotionally attached to and it is it is and i have to i feel like that's important to preface because like i'm not sure i can be objective about <laughs> olivia newton John. Yeah. um and so i will say like as a kid who like i'm a lesbian but growing up i was like really into like punk and then like somehow grease hit at the same time and i was like i guess i like this too and then i would watch it every day oh and God. i don't know if it was the hormones or what was happening but like i've never liked a blonde woman in my life mm. but like olivia newton john did something for right. me and it wasn't her acting the way that it is that i'm drawn to most people i think that she has something that is fundamentally it that translates internationally. And I'm not saying I think she's like the greatest actor we've all seen, but I do think there are moments and I will point them out with timestamps where she looks towards or at the camera. <laughs> Directly. And it is like, it is magic. It is magic. And so you I think it is. You have to believe it is magic. <laughs> it, it, exactly. And I think there's some sort of star power and like sweet kindness with something else yeah. underneath it. And maybe it's the Sandy too of it all. Um, but that is it for me. So I feel like I just had to say that up front unless I come on too strong about O&J. Fair and balanced. Not here, baby. Nope. Nope. Exactly. Nope. Yeah. And I think I would echo all of those same sentiments, but. I, I will get into it I, when we talk about Grease, but I just think that that character in particular in any other iteration of that show, whether it's a stage show or like the live television version, whatever she's bringing that like telegenic star power is just 
I don't know, Grease is important, and then somehow she makes a character that I normally would hate. No offense to Laura Osnes or any other Sandy <laughs> out there. Full offense she, to Laura Osnes. Yeah. <laughs> but she somehow captures something that, it, and like also she and John Travolta have that chemistry, and I was like, oh, do I want to be him? Do I want to be her? Uh-huh. Like, Do what? I want to be the shark skin pants? <laughs> what do I want to, do I want to be that weird like guinea pig head at the end of the movie that's like bobbing its head with him on the car? Like, what is it? that I want, but uh, it was, yeah, it's like it was a sexual awakening in some way. Yeah, I I totally agree. I was just thinking about, like, so, uh, of course, after watching Grease yesterday, I was, like, going down the rabbit hole of all the Greases, um, and I watched, like, clips from the 94 revival, and I was like, what is this? Who are these people? Like, it felt very 80s, and then, of course, I saw, like, some of the, the live, and I was like, Julianne Huff isn't great, but when she's dancing, she really is, like, a star, and so she has, like, this, like, she has the one piece of the thing whereas Olivia Newton-John has the entire thing yeah. at all moments yeah. um so that's I, I I totally get that yeah and we're and we're gonna get into it but I definitely think the her you know her real personality as you were talking about Anne with the combination of Sandy one and then that just total change of Sandy two is like such a fascinating thing because like you said you know she's maybe not the best actress <laughs> but so perfect for that yeah, yeah. uh but yes that's that's such a great place for us to get started. Why don't we get into a rewind? Olivia Newton-John was born on September 26, 1948 in Cambridge, UK. Whoa! Yeah. Shocker spoiler. Everybody's always like, Australia is number one daughter. And it's like, mm, she didn't move there till she was six. Yeah, so think about that. <laughs> First off, though, I want to clear up something about my Hollywood image. Now, the fan magazines have started this great rumor that I'm Miss Goody Two-Shoes from Australia. Now, that's a laugh. I'm really Miss Goody Two-Shoes from England. <laughs> I was born there and I moved to Australia later on and now I live here. Her father is a Welshman, uh, Brinley also known as Bryn Newton-John, and her mother is Irene Helene. Her mother's father, Max Born, uh, won the Nobel Prize for physics. Casual. Yeah, he was also uh, turned down a job working on the atomic bomb oh. and was one of the first people to sign the like anti-nuclear proliferation contract. We love that. We love that. And yeah, Gagatandra <laughs> for sure. Um, Libby Newton-John's mother, um, Irene, she was German, had a very thick German accent. Uh, her grandfather had to escape the Nazis, so like he left Germany. And she says that she recalls her mother telling her stories about like being at home and her father would be talking and Einstein would be there playing the piano and Madame Curie would be hanging out. I literally had no <laughs> idea she was casually hanging out with these fucking geniuses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, they pack up and they move, um, by the, when she's six to Australia, she actually has, uh, two older siblings, her brother Hugh and her sister Rona, both unfortunately have since passed her brother Hugh in 2019 and Rona in 2013. Mm. Um, her sister was actually married to Jeff Conway from Greece. Jeff Conaway was so obsessed with Olivia Newton-John that he married her fucking sister. It's (laughs) bonkers. I am a gag right now. Yeah. I was, when I read that, I was like flipping through the book. You're telling me Jeff Conway didn't marry Cha Cha? (laughs) If only. The chemistry. So they emigrated to Melbourne, Australia, and her father worked as a professor at University of Melbourne. And her mother was, I I believe, just kind of a housewife. housewife. Yeah. Her parents have kind of a rocky relationship. Uh, Her dad ends up cheating on her mom. 
They eventually end up getting divorced and she ends up being raised by her mother. Her father does still have, uh, you know, influence in her life, but it's not, not. She she basically, they sort of go with their mom. There are huge gaps in her story, which is even funnier because I have her autobiography next to me, Don't Stop Believing, which is not named after. Why is it called that? Because she has a different Don't Stop Believing song. Huh. Yeah. It's a very it's not great branding. Like a very like bad branding decision. <laughs> And she says it at least four times in this book. But uh, this is one of the first times I've ever read an autobiography. I truly believe they wrote it alone. <laughs> yeah. Compliment, compliment, compliment. I've been listening to the audiobook and it's like very, it's just very light touch, top yes. of the surface, no real dirt, no, no juice, dirt. No, none. She, she refuses. And I'm like, wow, this is really crisp as lettuce. I was hoping <laughs> for some, I was hoping for some dish. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, it literally starts with an author's note saying, I'm a very private person living a very public life. I therefore choose to tell only stories about my own life that I hope are entertaining and interesting and that I still remember. Please forgive me if you don't get a mention, for I only had so many pages. Love and light, <laughs> Olivia. Love and light, John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> she literally mentions, by the way, that in her house, she has like live, laugh, love. Ooh. That she is that person. Wow. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I, get it. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. She's been a mob for a good long while. Um, starts singing as a kid, ends up meeting our future duet par- partner, Pat Carroll, and uh, her future music producer, John Farrar, who end up as a couple later on. Um, they would go to talent contests. She was on the Australian TV show Sing, Sing, Sing. And all this stuff, like, really started to build. Uh, eventually, she ends up, you know, once again, all local Australia stuff, but still pretty huge. Um, she ends up getting into a Australian telefilm called Funny Things Happen Down Under. Oh. It's about an hour long. It's on YouTube. I watched it. Okay. It's bonkers. <laughs> um, she's barely in it. She gets to sing a couple songs and whatnot, but it's literally about kids trying to save a farm and they accidentally put some toxic chemicals in and it makes... Hey, when that happens. Yeah, it makes sheep, like, their wool turn colors, colors. and they're like, oh, yeah. you can... You can sell the colored wool and not have to dye it. It's like, well, we, I don't. Or you could just dye it. You could just dye it. Yeah. Her number, she does, get like a, she does get a kind of a good number, though. She gets a good, she does. A Chris, at, at Christmas. Christmas time down under, it's a good <laughs> mm-hmm. number. The only snow we have is on our Christmas tree. The Southern Cross is not the Northern Star. That's yeah. like foreshadowing for her Christmas career. Yeah. <laughs> the, ni- the 90s, her Christmas career. Right. Pat Carroll moves to the UK and she, they both, the timeline's a little wonky. It's like either one of them gets a contract and the other one moves and gets a contract or they both get a contract and they both move separately, but they go together and they form a girl group called Pat and Olivia and they're just going around town, swinging 60s, doing all the things. There's one time they actually go to a club. Olivia's, her mom is her manager. Okay. Um, she's her momager. And she books them at a club, and they're, like, singing. They're doing their thing. And there's a woman in a fish tank next to them. I wish everyone could see you dancing right and now. And the, <laughs> the woman, they can in their mind's eye. And the woman in the fish tank starts taking off her clothes. Oh. Yeah. How old is she at this time? She's like 16. Okay. Yeah. And so the manager of the club, like, after their first set is like, um, babies. (laughs) Children. (laughs) Your mommy did not understand where she was booking you. I'm still going to pay you, but you need to leave right now. Right. It's the (laughs) 60s, okay? (laughs) We were very career motivated and working on our music and Pat was making our clothes and I was hemming them and um, we had a really fun time. Eventually... 
Pat's visa goes up. She's got to go back. Olivia starts to strike it out on her own, and she actually meets um, Don Kirshner, who's putting together like a fake uh, monkeys esque band. He's the man who put together the monkeys, and he wants to basically do that for Britain uh, and do a series of movies with them. So this band is called Tomorrow, T O O M O R R O W. And they're, I mean, they're the monkeys. Like, essentially, they're just, they're like a little power pop. They're all hot. Yeah. They are really hot. All of them are really hot. And they like live in a little house together. Exactly. Much like the monkeys. And like, so you think this first movie they do, Tomorrow, should be a hit because you got Don Kirshner, you've got, and, and this is for like the film people, you've got Harry Saltzman from James Bond producing, mm-hmm. and you've got uh, Val Guest directing, like Hammer Horror aficionado Val Guest. And Val Guest pulls her aside and he's like, and there's a scene where you get abducted by aliens and they use a device and it's going to blow all your clothes off. And she's like, no, no. I don't I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, and the lots of complications behind the scenes. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this. This also exists on YouTube. Yes, we did watch that. I was very into the alien scenes and that like the thing that they created was like a vibration that, you know, I I, I had no idea actually what was happening, but I did (laughs) like the sort of monkey's help style of it all. I I YouTubed and I was like, (laughs) wow, this movie, she's gorgeous, radiant, so fun. I love like how very like swingery it all is like yeah. she's kissing everyone yeah <laughs> right and, and i'm like and like they're in the tub shirtless and i'm like okay i love whatever vibe this is um i love the vibe of like students unionizing or something <laughs> or something yeah. yeah there is a sit-in at one point there is yeah like, and like and they just want to like play music and like it is the most aggressively hippie British movie I've ever seen. I, I will say in very me fashion, like 40 minutes in the alien stuff happens and then they basically go away for the, like most of the cool alien stuff stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I'm bored. <laughs> I was like, where are the aliens? <laughs> I like that he has to take off his like human mask. Yes. <laughs> and how they walk is like in a cool gradient. Um, I enjoyed tomorrow. I, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I was just kind of like, and the music was aliens. like, there's like good, there's good music yeah. in it. So yes, I felt it's like great music. It's a good bar movie. That's what I, yes. I was like. I want to be at a bar with this on mm. drinking. That's what I want. Our civilization is old, but is directed by minds that are young. Your civilization is young, but is controlled by minds that are old. Which is why we have never revealed our existence to your species. So why make us the exception? Because you generate certain vibrations in your music, and we need to study them. The behind the scenes of this is why we don't ever hear about this movie. And that's essentially, you know, Kirshner was upset because he was asked to rewrite the movie. And while he went off to rewrite it, they were secretly rewriting it on their own. Mm -hmm. And so he came back and they'd already shot most of it. Mm -hmm. On top of that, nobody paid Val Guest. And Val Guest was like, fuck you. Then this movie will never see the light of day. So this movie comes out for a week in England and then disappears until Val Guest dies wow. in the 2000s until he dies <laughs> until he dies it got it was out for a week long enough for it to get all the negative press it got yeah <laughs> but that's, like that's kind of a bummer because like i was watching this movie and literally just thinking about my dad i was like this is like the type of shit my dad would be like yeah groovy man let's get like they're basically just like wasted in like 
I also what I love it was like a, like the first Austin Powers movie. And they, they, yes, they yeah. don't oh, explain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't yeah, explain yeah. why there are Americans there. They don't explain like you know it's like two British people, three Americans, and, one Australian. Yeah, and one Australian. <laughs> I think it sets up a good pattern for Olivia Newton-John, where she is often Australian without any explanation of why. Yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. Which, like, I believe is also real life. Yes. <laughs> no Australian, no explanation. Um, so now we're moving into the the music career. We've not really done anybody like Olivia Newton-John because she sort of fits in the the mid section of pop princesses becoming actors like you get the madonnas in the world who do a lot of movies and then you get like the christina aguilera's in the world who do one movie and then just never again uh-huh. and uh or like the britney spears whereas she did movies but i don't i don't think it was ever her goal right so you know her love is singing and i think movies were just sort of the next logical step but after tomorrow and having such a bad experience she's like I'm done. I don't want to do movies anymore. And she stops. She goes whole hog into her music career. Um, she releases her first solo album, If Not For You, which is, uh, you know, a Bob Dylan track. Um, funny enough, her current husband would later tell her it's his favorite Bob Dylan song. It becomes, you know, her first U.S. number one on adult contemporary. Um, and that's a huge deal for her because that really allows her to start crossing over into the American, um, market market. Yeah. And what's funny is she actually gets the advice that she should go country Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's sort of exotic and it's different and it would be like a good way in. Imagine country exotic. (laughs) (laughs) And what's really funny about that is, well, not funny, like gross actually is that several people, when she wins her, like, Young Artist of the Year for the country, the country music, yeah. several country music artists form their own coalition that are essentially like, no immigrants. Fucking psychotic. <laughs> and, and, psychotic. and she's, like, the most beautiful white woman. Right. Right. And, and still they're like, but she's not from here. Right. Like, what the actual fuck? And she has gone on record in saying, I believe... And I I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm only going to name one of them. But Dolly Parton is the only person who stood up for her. Good for her. Of course she did. Of, of course. course she did. Yeah. So I didn't really know about it till afterwards. Of course it was upsetting because I didn't want to offend anybody, and right. you know, I didn't know I was stepping on anyone's toes. Right. As it turns out, as it usually happens with things that are difficult and controversial, in the end they turn out to be positive because other people began crossing over into pop, and John Denver and I were like the first ones, I think. Her other big claim to fame in this era is in 1974. She represented the UK in the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, she does the song Long Live Love. In the book, she remembers placing third. She placed fourth. <laughs> I live with a Eurovision historian. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, I see. <laughs> uh, That's she, so she cool. Had, That's so she, like, did, no, one, no one is fact checking her. Like her. She's probably with a big publisher. Right. And they, they were just like third, fourth, whatever. Americans, they don't know. They don't care. Yeah. Um, the one, the big problem is, is that's the year ABBA goes in. Mm-hmm. ABBA wins Eurovision with Waterloo that year. No one was beating ABBA. Right, right. But then she's also fourth, so it's not like she came in second. Right, she didn't quite. <laughs> but <laughs> she's like a bona fide hit. She, she's a well known name. People know her in the U.S. mostly, like I said, for singing country. Right. And she's known in Britain. She's known in Australia. You know, people are really behind her. Um, Oh, I do want to mention, by the way, uh, Stella Parton, Dolly's sister, which we mentioned in the Dolly episode, um, recorded an album 
of Olivia Newton-John songs called Ode to Olivia. Incredible. Just to show her support. Wow. Okay, that is... Some interesting I, connections that I'm drawing beneath the surface between the Dolly Parton and Olivia Newton-John connection. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know where you're going. Um, it's also, like, really quickly, really... I, I listen to some, like, music podcasts because I'm, like, into music. No, but it's... <laughs> it's really interesting because her... What was happening in country music at the time with Dolly Parton was the popification. Like, the, yeah. the first popification of country music. And so... Once, you know, she was like the best new artist or whatever the fuck at the Country Music Awards, the backlash of it was to turn back to like the dudes who were like yeah. real and tough and whatever. And like that, the pendulum always swings in country music in that way. But like, to be clear, like she was uber famous. It was like in the country world. Like it, she was this darling and Dolly Parton was part of that era. And so it doesn't surprise me that she was supportive because I'm sure Dolly got a lot of that same shit. Yeah. We know yeah. that she did. We absolutely do. As I mentioned, Don't Stop Believing, her album comes out in 75. Have You Never Been Mellow, her like move away mm. from country. Um, it comes out within the same year. For 45 years, she held the Guinness World Record for shortest gap by a female between mm-hmm. new number one albums, If You Love Me, Let Me Know, to Have You Never Been Mellow, on the US Billboard 200 album charts until a little girl named Taylor Swift Ever in 2020. Ever heard of her? For the 140 days between Folklore and Evermore. Yeah. David, did you say sick? (laughs) (laughs) I did. I'm sickened. Um, I've totally listened to those albums. They're great. Full of music. (laughs) Let's not anger the Taylor Swift people because they're very aggressive. They are. They're very aggressive. (laughs) She ends up having to do a lawsuit against MCA Records, essentially to like, in a very similar, not not to bring up Taylor Swift again, but it's sort of like, masters you know money masters they each file a breach of contract against each other and she ends up suing for 10 million and claimed the mca's failure to adequately promote and advertise her product freed her from their agreement the big result of the lawsuit is that record companies changed their contracts to be based on a set number of albums recorded by musician and not a specific number of years so essentially Olivia Newton-John kind of ends the studio system right. in musicians. We've talked about the studio musician, the studio system in film before, which is when studios would tie up actors and be like, you have to do a certain number of movies right, and work right. a certain number of years. She is actually a huge part of music history. Yeah. 78. Here we go. Here, here we go. Okay, so like all that music stuff, great. Love that. But yeah. that's not what we're here for. Um, <laughs> she's at a dinner party with her gay bestie, Alan Carr. and Literally Alan Carr? Oh my god, I didn't know that. I didn't... This Alan Carr. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, just making sure you're thinking the right Alan Carr. Oh, I'm not... Th- oh, yeah, I was thinking the wrong Alan Carr. Yeah, there's <laughs> two Alan Cars. I'm gay. Um, <laughs> sorry. I know one Alan Carr, he's gay. <laughs> sorry. Once you get this much gay energy going, this yeah. much queer energy yeah, yeah. around... It's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, she's at a dinner party, and he's like, I'm writing and producing Grease as a movie. You should play Sandy. And she's like, no. She's like, nor. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Um, he's like, yeah, no, you should, you should, you should. Like, And she's like, no, I did this movie called Tomorrow. Everyone hated it. I don't want to do it. He's like, no, you should do it. And she's like, no, I'm 29. I'm not a teenager. And he's like, you should do it. She's like, no, the character is Polish. Like, Sandy's name in the play is like... Dombrowski. Dombrowski. And yeah. he's like, yeah. no, it's Olsen. She's from Australia. Okay. And she's just like, fine. Like, I relent, but I'm doing a screen test. She goes in, still like, 
Ugh, I don't I don't want to do this. This is not right. Um, and then she meets John Travolta. Hello. Johnny T. Yeah, she sees those blue eyes. He sees mm. those blue eyes. She's like, but I'm not a teenager. He's like, baby, none of us are teenagers. Yeah, he's like, baby, we're all 40 plus. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what does it. And she screen tests her way into the role of Sandy. I suppose we should talk a little bit about Grease. If you've not seen Grease, I don't know. Are you dead? <laughs> um, the uh, Grease is a movie about high schoolers, a cool kid named Danny Zuko who meets the love of his life on the beach that summer. And then he goes back to school thinking that she's going in the film back to Australia and turns out she's a foreign exchange student. She's yep. there, but he's too cool for her now. Yeah, that, that's the plot. And it's a musical. It's so funny rewatching it. I was like, oh, this movie's so horny. <laughs> so horny. It's so horny, yeah. And and they tone some of that shit down. Right. The play's even hornier. So somehow Grease 2 is known as the hornier movie, but I think it's just because it's less subtle and less clever. Yeah. Um, in, this, <laughs> in this movie, Derek's like, you know, yeah, all this is about fucking. He says pussy wagon. Yes. He mentions yeah. that the car's gonna get girls wet. Yeah. <laughs> the chicks will yeah. cream. It's so yeah. explicit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The nuance yeah. is not there. Meanwhile, Alice Ghostly is dancing in the background in coveralls. It's, it's our incredible. favorite fact. In, but like, as a child though, you're just like, I mean, I think this was the first movie musical I ever saw. Like, I I remember being like, what? Like, the cartoon at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just like, well, I saw Annie because my parents aren't deviants. So okay, well, I'm Mexican. Whatever. <laughs> the music are bangers. You know, yeah. um, it's it's undeniable. And uh, was John Travolta like a known guy at this time? Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter was both huge for him because he was you know big on TV, and he had just shot uh, Saturday Night Fever. But it was not out yet. Mm. And so, like, pe- the buzz was building. I mean, Grease ends up being the yeah. number one film. It's huge. Right. It's very 70s, even though it's 50s. Right. And, and so it's like a weird mix of nostalgia and current mores yeah. really working. I don't know. It's such an odd movie. I've told this story before, I think, in a Kevin Bacon episode. I have a, like, checkered past with Grease because we had a babysitter when I was a kid who would only watch Grease over and over it again. It was Anne. It was <laughs> Anne. Well, that's what I was going to say earlier. Good to see you again, Gavin. <laughs> Ma, you've grown. <laughs> how, I don't even understand how the time works. It was um, pri- Grease was private time to me because it was so hormonal. You know, I wouldn't force that on a child. <laughs> but I love that. My, my older sister, Nikki, who's about three and a half years older, so I don't want to make her sound like she's an aged woman because uh, she will listen and hurt me. Um, she complained to my parents. She's like, we're tired of it my parents fucking taped over it with footloose can you imagine what movie (gasps) that's like that is a statement a movie about not being allowed to dance over grease it's like (laughs) wow but she still watched and then she just watched footloose forever and that was (laughs) the sad part is i literally said the sentence last night during the the gym dancing i was like this is giving me very footloose dancing energy (laughs) and because as a child i was like wow like, high school dancers are really good, not knowing that these are professional 30-year-olds. I guess she was saying that she wasn't really supposed to be in the hand jive that much. Mm-hmm. And, like, essentially, John was like, you can dance. Like, why don't you? So he had to, like, go through the ropes with her, like, privately. Like, it'd be like, she's going to be in more of the scene. So she was not a dancer, per se. Right. Well, her friend Pat even claims that she taught her to dance, that they would be performing and Pat would be there and she'd be swinging her hips and 
Olivia Newton-John would just be standing there. She does. I mean, is is she um, doing her own dancing in the movie? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I had to say so. she. I always thought like she looked like a good dancer in Greece, and yes. then when I watched her dancing with Gene Kelly and Xanadu, I was like, not a mover. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> my... not a mover. In my head, she's like a pretty good like actor yes. who can dance pretty well based on Greece. So I think. Randall Kleiser and Pat Birch maybe like and John Travolta like made her look very good because mm-hmm, in my yes. head she was great. Yeah. John Travolta who's not trying. He's just like Ugh. bored yawning. Yeah. While it's fucking so I think good. that he's he's like I think he's at peak hotness as Danny Zuko. Mm-hmm. You're totally. right. Um and it's yeah, it's very lush. Um, when when he like came back in the nineties and people were like, Oh, he's really hot now, and it's like, no. No, no. <laughs> Did you see Grease? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about Greece. Like, her deal, I guess, with the studio, like, demanded that she had solo songs that were written for her. Yes. So she got Hopelessly Devoted to You, and I think that You're the One That I Want was also, like, written for her by John yeah. Farrar, who's, like, Pat Carroll's husband or whatever. And that is so interesting to me because those two movies are, like, I think that uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You was nominated for an Oscar, and I think it's, like, Greece's only Oscar nom. And, and it, she like, got to perform it on the Oscars, which, which is, is a huge deal. Which is cool. Yeah. And it's, like, the only Oscar nom that movie got. And also, they, like, didn't film it until after the movie had already wrapped. They, like, went back and filmed it because they had to, like, figure out, like, what is the conceit for her to sing Hopelessly Devoted to You? And um, who's, who, Pat Birch didn't direct it. Who directed the film? Randall uh, Kleiser. Oh, right. Randall Kleiser. And he was like, I'm not sure if this is right. And then they ended up filming it. And like, it to me, it is one of the most iconic songs from, obviously, one of. Um, and also, like, future productions would, like, incorporate those two songs in it. And I think that that speaks to her yeah. star power. Absolutely. I was, ju- I was just thinking, because the- she's talking to um, the girl, whatever, who has the Marine boyfriend. And, like, they're writing the notes. And then Marty. she, like, see- Marty, yeah. She, she's, she goes outside, and she's like... It's kind of like very stupid and hilarious. Like at the very end, she's like looking at this like little kid pool and, yes. like, and seeing Danny like in the pool. And I was like, why did she write this note and put it in the kiddie pool? I don't, but it works. It's amazing. Uh, it's like when you looks, write your manifestation down and you burn it, you know, she, yeah, she, needed, yeah, to get, she needed to get it out of her. I think there are good songs in there, but I actually think the original songs are better. So sorry, shade to the guys that wrote um, all the original music, but like Hopelessly Devoted to You, I think is so good. And you're the one that I want. Like literally the movie rides or dies on that song. Um, But I, when I, whenever Hopelessly Devoted to You starts, that first line, guess mine is not the first heart broken, is that poetry. That's poetry. <laughs> so good. I'm with you. I'm with you. She also becomes lifelong friends with Didi Cohn, who plays Frenchie in the movie. They stay in contact for for everything. Um, I, I think she even still does like like Greece reunions. Like the, the she was she in the book was like, yeah, we just did the 42nd anniversary, and I was like, who celebrates the 42nd anniversary? Didi like, and Olivia, babe. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> She becomes the second woman after Linda Ronstadt in 1977 to have two singles, Hopelessly Devoted to You and Summer Nights, on the Billboard Top 5 simultaneously from Greece. We did mention earlier about Sandy 1, Sandy 2. Her character goes through dramatic change in the movie. 
Sandy's this very innocent, like virginal, like poodle skirts, and mm-hmm. Sandy two shows up. Did at- you make it with Cha Cha? <laughs> Uh, Sandy 2 shows up at the end of the movie leather jacket shark skin pants shark skin that's Mm. fucking wild yeah what is she like Michael Phelps those those are vintage and the zipper was broken and the costume designer was like I don't want to ruin them by taking the zipper out so she had to be sewn Mm -hmm. into them it's so So hot she couldn't drink water (laughs) can we I I was thinking about so like I guess it's kind of like a, a famous fact about like her being sewn into it and I was like they had to shoot, like, a long time of doing the fucking, like, two we different musical yeah, numbers. Yeah. And I was like, she must have just been in those fucking pants, like, for a, a day and a half. <laughs> she apparently still has them, because I went and watched her, like, um, she was on CBS Morning Show, and Gail yeah. King did a special with her. And Gail was like, come on, put on the pants, Olivia. She's like, I don't want to put on the pants. And she's like, put on the pants. And she was like, I've got them in my closet, but I don't want to put them on. And they're like, put on the pants. Put on the pants. <laughs> and they, like, shoot to the crew. And she, like, has to go into her closet and put on the pants. <laughs> Okay, is, is that like, implying she's, that she's she's like seventy two? I think she's seventy three yeah. now. She was like seventy when she filmed this and put them on. I said, okay, I had I say, really the s- pants. She can really still fit in those pants. Yeah, I'm, she absolutely I, can. She looks uh, good. Uh, I, I I can show it to you later, but I, I have it. I have it. Um, two things about that. Um, one, and like this is like projecting much further ahead. But she ended up do- like putting those on uh, auction to donate money to her cancer hospital, which we will get to. And the woman that invented Spanx oh. now owns the sharkskin pants. Um, she also sung at her wedding in 2008. So there was already She sung at the Spanx woman's mm-hmm. wedding? Wow. So cool. Um, an anonymous buyer bought the leather jacket for an enormous sum of money. Multiple millions. Wow. Sent it back to her still anonymously <gasps> and was like basically like you should have that he's like wh- or they were we're just like you know what's more unlikely that you would end up beating cancer multiple times or you would get this jacket returned to you and so that jacket is on display at the cancer hospital now and ryan murphy gave her millions <laughs> of dollars for that you <laughs> heard it here first <laughs> I just he, was thinking of a gay he, person with millions he, of dollars. He put it on once. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, tell me about it, stud. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> um, so like huge bump in her career. And she's like, she's like, yeah, like I I can do this. I can I can be a movie star. So they start actively work looking for the things, next big thing. Yeah, the next the thing to follow it up. There's a bunch of TV specials, not movies, but like specials. And she even does one called uh, Hollywood Nights with Tina Turner. And, Hot. Yeah, it's very good. the The best thing in it is there's a uh, like montage of her as famous women throughout history, set to "Give Me Some Lovin'," huh. like Lady Godiva, like uh, Marlena Dietrich. It's very hot. Um, but. In 1980, she does Xanadu, which is her return to musicals. It's uh, she never left, babe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a remake of the musical Down to Earth, uh, which is not to be confused with the Chris, Chris Rock, Rock movie, which in fact is a remake of Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which sequel is Down to Earth. It's a very, it's it's like a crazy loop. It's a weird elliptical circle. Okay. Uh, But she plays a muse who comes to help a struggling artist realize his dream, which is opening a roller disco, um, as well as uh, he meets an investment character played by Gene Kelly, as you mentioned before, um, who, weirdly enough, is playing a character (laughs) from his movie Calendar Girl from the 40s. 
All very confusing. Do you find out this plot in the movie? No. (laughs) (laughs) But that's ostensibly what this movie is about. Um, Yeah, it's fun. It's crazy. It's nuts. They like added an animated sequence because they didn't shoot all the musical numbers and they needed to save some money. Um, Don Bluth to the rescue. Yeah. Uh, She she does a bunch of the music. Uh, John Frere writes her a bunch of songs as well as ELO Electric Light Orchestra writes a bunch of music for the movies. She charts with the song Magic, the song Suddenly with Cliff Richard, and the song Xanadu, which of course she did do with ELO. Um, yeah, uh, the movie uh, is a bomb. <laughs> yeah, and Damien, what do you think? Well, I was okay. So one, Louis, to your point earlier, when I was watching it, I was like. Okay, I like had to pull up the Wikipedia page because I was like stoned and I was like, I don't understand what the plot is. And I was like, oh, okay, like I can string this together. But like this was not this. There's no clues really like that. This is the plot, but got it. It's almost over. And I just put it all together. I would like for like all of the music musical numbers to be like removed and like play at a bar where I'm like drinking and like I'm like, I would like I like give me a hit of poppers and like watching that number. Great. But the movie itself was not clear what was happening. And then I just at any point. But every song to me was like a hit. And then I kept yes. thinking about like the 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 soundtrack was like number one. So many of the yes. like magic is like one of her most, you know, a songs yes. that are like signature songs. And I just kept thinking of like, okay, Mariah Carey had uh glitter and it was a failure and her but the album was successful. But Mariah Carey without that album has like so many successful albums. And I just right. kept thinking about like what it is for her one of her few movies with such a huge flop but like was a is like a is a mark in her career as far as like a singer you know like it's it's like she had all of these hits but the movie is is a total bomb the negative impact of this movie is so enormous it's it's kind of like you know it really kind of just it destroys her film career i mean she does one more big screen movie and then and like not again until the early 2000s basically yeah i mean and, and you're totally right though because like the music Kenny Ortega is like doing mm. choreography yeah. on this. I think the direction's kind of ugly. Like I'm not even like a movie like person who like sees that. Like a lot of times I'm but like I was like, what is this? What is going on? Like the camera is just like going back and forth. I mean, the movie is partially responsible for why we have the Razzies. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like that's right. As much as I think so the Razzies cool. are stupid and offensive, like this the guy that created the Razzies was like, well, this movie's so bad it's enjoyable like that's that was the impetus so i'll give him that i mean like and but it's it's kind of wild because the songs are such bangers and i will say like it's trying to reach back to old school yeah um you know uh musicals and like the numbers are long yeah what's the the number we should go dancing Uh, we're like it's like i want to do a 50s club and then it's like but i want a rock and roll club and i I love the battle i I love the song but yeah it's like it's like 10 minutes long yeah yeah it's 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 so long the rumor is there's so much stuff from the script they didn't even bother to film one of them being that the the main character painted the mural of the muses correct which is why she like comes out of the mural and comes to him in the first place which like (laughs) helpful would have been helpful, yeah. would have been helpful. <laughs> right right i think but, yeah. that they do include that detail in the broadway adaptation if i'm yes. not mistaken in the broadway show i think they do include that to like i don't know have a plot um <laughs> but you know, helpful helpful yeah um also i mean it, but the the genesis of this movie though is they were trying to capitalize on like the roller disco yeah and unfortunately like it is just 
the worst timing because this was the exact time when the backlash was beginning. Like, yeah. this was a disco backlash because of a movie like this where it's like roller skates and disco and it's like, what the fuck is this? And so they just kind of missed the boat on it. Well, the other thing too is like, not only were they trying to capitalize it, they were trying to be the first. Right. Because there were two other movies in production about <laughs> roller disco, which by the way, I love the idea that there were two other movies it's in production amazing. about roller yeah. disco. Yeah. And so it was supposed to be like a small low budge and they were like, Pump the money into it. Like, get it out. Which yeah. Get fucking Gene Kelly. John Travolta turned this movie down. They were trying to make it a vehicle for both of them. And John Travolta was like, thanks, but no thanks. This is not the vehicle for me. And then I think they wanted, like, Andy Gibb. And then the guy they got is, like, a poor man's Andy Gibb. Oh, the guy they um, got is so bad. It terrible. is literally Horrific. poor man's Andy Gibb. He doesn't even <laughs> sing. He doesn't even have a musical number yeah. in the movie. Worthless. Worthless. I know his duet is, like, an, is Olivia. It's, like, a soundtrack. So it's, like, a man, it's uh, Olivia yes. and that other guy. It's so cool. <laughs> But also, yeah. like, this is the movie that got Gene Kelly out of retirement. Like, her, yeah. his last his movie. His final but, film. Yeah, it's wild. I will say, he was hoofing. He looks great. And I, he I, does, so yeah. He looks great, and he is, I mean, the, the crazy scene of, like, them at the... The around the world scene where they go to the... the outfits or the outfits because that oh, is my that is yes. the bane of my existence <laughs> but, but, but he i is, loved it i loved the montage he is dancing through l train vintage like <laughs> no one else and you know it looks great and but i th- i think the scene of him and olivia where they are lovely together but to me the direction is so boring i'm like this I've been watching a lot of old musicals, and it's a very old style because you want to be able to see the full body. You I want to be able he to was, see the person doing it. He was apparently so mad because they didn't film his legs in the finale. Right. They cut off his legs, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is weird when he's clapping at the opening of the number. But I have to say, hearkening back to what I was mentioning, there's a moment at the one hour, 27 minute mark towards <laughs> the end where Olivia Newton-John is coming around that circle and she's doing her little hop skip. She's never looked better. She looks directly at the camera and I said, that is a movie star. Sorry, that's just like what it is. Her hair is bouncing beautifully Mm -hmm. and it's like mesmerizing. I rewound and watched it 17 times. I genuinely know the exact moment you're talking about. Yes. (laughs) It's so good. Um, We're we're on the same wavelength. Um, So after the movie comes out, it's a total bomb, damages her career irreparably. Um, She decides to take her music in a different direction mm-hmm. and she gets pitched the song physical and like i said we're not going to talk about every hit but i think physicals we're talking about because it really did bring her into a different realm you know it's extra poppy it's very different it was actually written originally for rod stewart oh he turned it down oh, tina turner see. okay tina turner turned it down i can see that it uh, comes to olivia she's like sure 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 she records it a week later she's like what the fuck did I do? And I remember listening to it and think that's a really great song and didn't really tune in to what it was about. <laughs> and then when I recorded it, I started to panic. And I called my manager. I said, I think I've gone too far with this song. It's just too much. He said, well, it's too late, love. It's, it's taken off everywhere. Very often the things that you're most afraid of are the things you really need to just go for it you know because it was one of my most successful records and i never would have dreamt that could have happened <laughs> she's like you better put those sweatbands on hon because and that's 100 what she did so she's like we gotta fix this we gotta fix this i know the music video music videos were new at the time the music video is gonna be us exercising Right, nothing about fucking in there at all. Yeah, not literally, sexual at all. Literally, one of the lyrics is "Let's get animal," which no. is totally an exercise move. Everybody knows. Yes, it's controversial. 
mm-hmm. but very, very popular. The state of Utah bans it. The entire state. So cool. Mitt Romney said no. <laughs> but loose. <laughs> very that. Um, and she ends up technically pioneering the video album. She does a song. She does a she's she's Beyonce. Mm-hmm. She does a video for every song on that album. Uh, Pre lemonade, lemonade. The white ladies lemonade. Um, and, Sweet tea. Uh, uh, she does try and make a unsuccessful film comeback in 1983. This is going to be the big repairing of her and John yes. Travolta. Um, it's a movie called Two of a Kind, and apparently John Travolta and her got script after script after script and kept passing on things. And yet, <laughs> this is the one. This is the one, baby. This is the one. I've been waiting Dude. to watch this movie since 1996. I watched it. When did we watch it in? This week? We watched it, yeah, this week. I had like bought it on DVD two years ago and was like, we're going to watch this. Maybe seven years ago. Oh, and my was, God. Like, we never watched it. So we sat down and watched it. And? Oh, way more unintelligible than one could possibly imagine. <laughs> I was like, who's the voice of God? Damien was like, you love him. And I was like, John Goodman. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, Gene Hackman. He was like, yep. I said, okay, there's Scatman Crothers and uh, Charles Durning playing fucking ghost. I just, I, it made no sense. Angels, yeah. um, angels, really. Angels. Angels. Oh yeah, yeah, they were angels. Thank you. They so, were trying yeah, to save th- the human race. There's no easy way to tell people the plot of this movie, but essentially mm-hmm. Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta have to get together or God is going to destroy the earth. He's going to press reset on earth. Reset. He does and, it every few years. He resets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's four hapless angels who are trying to help them out. And Oliver fucking Reed. Let me tell you. <laughs> Oliver Reed. Are you okay? I love Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed. I've said this before. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show. Oliver Reed, because we have really haven't had a case to talk about mm-hmm. him. I don't know. I've never known if he's a good actor. But he is somebody who knows that the camera loves him. Yeah. And he's going to make love to that fucking camera. (laughs) And so Oliver Reed is for me. Um, But he plays the devil in the movie. Yes, he does. And the devil, for some reason, who has a face, has a body, comes to Earth like it's LOL. God? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) God's a cloud, okay? Yes. And I also love that the devil's, like, main goal just seems to be, like, mischief. Yeah. Like, oh, tear this woman's shirt open, put this pie in front of this guy's face. Like, no big aspirations. Oh, my God. Wait, we were, were we, and were we drunk? We, I just, we had, we were we wasted? I just remember that they, like, we were like, well, who is that? Is that the devil? And also, um, we had this, no idea. There were, like, full, like, 10 minute scenes where it would be like, rewind. And it would rewind. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, we and, and got not, it. Like, they're like barely in those scenes too. Yeah. Like first of all, graciously, this movie is like eighty-three minutes, and it's I want to say time. That's the length of that, every movie should be perfect. Yes, I want to say that they're in fifty-five minutes of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. correct. They, someone like was like, "We have a new technology. It is called a rewind and fast forward." Um, totally. The green the green screen has been invented. Um, but it, to me, this movie feels like two scripts kind of came together yeah. in a lab where it's like love story between like what two scammers because they're Olivia and John and John Travolta are both scammers. Yeah, he they meet each other because he attempts to rob the bank she's working at and she tricks him by stealing the money herself. Yeah. And but <laughs> but then this plot of like, but they have to fall in love or God is going to say, fuck the planet. The best thing about this movie for me is the music the music twist of fate hello yeah it's a great song that is a great song 
I love that it's like the actual theme. Like they play the the orchestral version as like the dramatic. Allegedly, also- it was a, it was one of the titles like in the in like a working title. It was Twist of Fate, and I was like, how do we not end up with that? That seems like it makes- yeah, it's a better title. Yeah, I'm gonna say the also highlight famously- for me is that John Travolta is playing an inventor, and that one of his inventions <laughs> is an edible sunglasses, which edible I edible was- sunglasses. And he just can't understand why he's not like rich and famous. It's crazy. <laughs> he has like a poster of Albert Einstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He I think invented, it would be worth I, watching we're, for like the first twenty minutes, where you get to see him like put on a blonde wig and a fake mustache and rob the bank. He looks beautiful. Yeah, that is <laughs> worth it, honestly. What? <gasps> Nothing. What? Nothing. Your mustache is falling off. How about now? It's still a little off. You'd really look better without it. Don't don't get cute. Just get the money, will you? Yeah, th- this movie's a mess. <laughs> I'm just uh, so as I mentioned prior to this, there's a there's a huge gap in between her movie appearances between this and that. So I do want to get just very very briefly into her personal life during these during these times. Um, in, in terms of relationships, in '68, she was engaged but never married to Bruce Welch. Uh, he was very influential in her career and also the start of like, don't date people you work with mm. for, for her. Um, they end the relationship in 72 and he attempts to kill himself Yikes. afterwards. Um, she ends up in a relationship in 73 with a British businessman named Lee Kramer. He becomes her manager and they basically stay together until Greece and which she's like, no, thank you. I'm Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so on the set of Xanadu, she meets Matt, uh, Latanzi and he is a dancer. Uh, Gene Kelly keeps calling him Valentino. (laughs) They're together from basically, um, you know, Xanadu, but they, they end up getting married in 84. They stay together till 95. He's the father of her daughter, Chloe Latanzi. Um, we're going to talk about her daughter in just a moment. But, um, <laughs> oh, Chloe. Um, and the, their relationship ends, like I said, in 95. Um, she starts a relationship with a cameraman slash gaffer named Patrick McDermott. Um, that relationship is, um, you know, goes for a couple years, uh, almost a, actually almost a decade. Um, is he they, lost at sea? Yeah, they so they split up because of religious beliefs is the mm. official type. Like they just have different <laughs> goals in life, and um, he wants to go back to Xanadu. Yeah, <laughs> and he disappears in a fishing accident. Right, but he leaves like all of the identifying material on the boat, and so that leads people to believe that he like faked his disappearance to get like. Some people say it's like insurance. Some people say it's mob stuff. Um, Mm. Either way, every year on the anniversary, some British rag claims to have seen him in Mexico, but nobody's ever been able to find proof. But this is not Chloe's dad. No, this is the the boyfriend after. Um, And then eventually she meets John Easterling with this is way in the future. And we're going to have to travel back for some movies. But um, he is basically an herbal medicines uh proponent um he brings her to the amazon rainforest hot uh hot get, first date idea <laughs> get, gets her to try ayahuasca okay um and they realize they're soulmates it. hot yeah. second date idea he, he, he's sexy and he like grows her strains of marijuana for he healing does. i was like okay he's hot he's like a yeah. really hot guy my boyfriend doesn't even grow me any marijuana strains guys <laughs> it's, time, it's time to dump him <laughs> also um, her the man that she has her child her daughter with um 
was like a dancer in Xanadu, but then was also featured in Greece too, like highly featured, and yes. which is just an interesting callback. And he seems specific. Oh. <laughs> While um, we're talking about her relationship exploits, I just feel like it's worth mentioning that there have been gay rumors that have plagued her for her entire career. Really? Um, yes. And I think Damien's wink to the latency of it all is part <laughs> and parcel of that. But also she apparently like traces it back to appearance on Johnny Carson where he was like, do you have more like boyfriends or girlfriends? And she was like, girlfriends. And he raised an eyebrow. Uh-oh. So that's what oh, she funny. does address it in her book. She does. I was like, I was is she ever going to, is she ever going to talk about it? Um, but she doesn't really say anything that is revealing. She was just like, sometimes where there's smoke, there's no fire. And I'm okay. like, oh, this is, it's like, it's again, very surface level, but I appreciate that she addressed it because, you know, I've been holding that flame for many years. And, Which and, is so f- and she's really, and she is a friendship with Dolly Parton and sister and dolly has also been plagued by these lesbian rumors exactly Absolutely. i was gonna say it's so funny because i feel like i've heard every hollywood gay rumor and had never heard this before and so when i was reading the book and she brought it up i was like really i was like i don't know like <laughs> well i mean she's giving the vibe i mean so first of all she is a gay icon second of all sorted lives yeah, her character in Sorted Lives. I'm like, that's well, that's it's funny that you, me somewhere. it's funny that you bring up Sorted Lives, and we're and we're gonna get there. But um, she actually did do an interview for the Advocate with Del Shores, where they interviewed each other, of and course. so Del Shores asked her. Uh, you know, uh, he said, "Let's talk about the rumor, Olivia." And she said, "I answered quite simply, I'm not a lesbian." Next, <laughs> but also asked him, "How would you like it if I accused you of being heterosexual?" I think I made my point. <laughs> listening listening to the audiobook too is very special because she always has like a little <laughs> like at the end of every yeah. to punctuate it's like well i don't know that that was a great end of chapter but okay yeah. let's move on let's Such move on a mom she's also giving sort of like um a specific like in her in two of a kind she takes an acting class which i don't know if that was mirroring real life because she said she like needed to take acting class it's, it's also she, one of her few movies that she doesn't sing in at all um yeah. and she's like on that stage and there's that like shot of his blue eyes and the shot of her blue eyes and the shot of his blue eyes and the shot of her blue eyes and she's like in her like mary martin like kind of gay like body pose <laughs> and i was like oh i get it like you're kind of gay yeah, and it was that era of the like short sort of mullety hair, the like yeah, the physical yeah. like headbands, and um, it's funny because she she actually did as you mentioned she went to acting classes for that movie specifically <laughs> for that scene specifically, and uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> Debbie, stop writing dialogue now and let's feel. I do feel. I am Look, feeling. Well, don't take it out on me. Take it on this guy that had the gun on you. Come on, look at him and tell him this. You moron. You imbecile. You bastard. You. That's it. Come on. Now just see it. See him. It's real now. Just keep seeing it. It's right there. That's it. That's right. That's right. Skipping ahead, she has her child. She has her child late. Uh, Matt Latanzi, by the way, is like a decade younger than her, and everybody's like scandalous. Okay. Um, and then she has Chloe at the age of 37, which is kind of late for a woman. Um, but I don't care. Do whatever you want. In 92, she's diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and she has an album coming out, Back to Basics, The Essential Collection. She ends up canceling all of her 
tour and press for that somebody sees her coming out of a cancer treatment center mm. and it uh she, she's like well we have to get ahead of this so she goes public with it and is like listen this is why i'm canceling this i have breast cancer and it changes things for a lot of people because there weren't a lot of high profile actors especially not somebody so young or actors musicians talking about this stuff however the one mistake she makes is she keeps it from her child yeah and so after she finishes treatment, after she goes into remission, she ends up having to, like, tell her kid, like, her kid gets into a fight at school. And it's like, somebody was lying about you. They said you have cancer. And she's like, actually. Yeah, she's like, mommy does. And, but, you know, we're good now. So to be clear, though, <clears throat> after Two of a Kind, she does not work as an actress until the 90s. Yeah, until the 90s. The first thing she does in the 90s is a television film called A Mom for Christmas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did either of you get to this? This is a special place. Of course place I did. It's it's ONJ's mannequin. And yes, wow, yes. Doris Roberts brings her to life with a twirl of a hand. Um, I... <laughs> I uh, I, I really was not feeling, A, her aesthetic in this, which was the long <laughs> Olivia Newton-John hair with yeah. the bangs. Yeah, with the um, bangs, yeah. Once again, Australian with no reason. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, she fulfills the sort of mother fantasy for a young girl. And she, I think that young girl is a very, like, a poor person's Anna Klumski. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the whole thing was the whole thing was bad, but I was very into Olivia Newton-John's acting being mannequin in style. I love the fact that there's like the mannequins that don't have souls. Yes. <laughs> and they look at them so with such sadness. I know, they but look also, at them I'm like, so pathetically. I was like, why are the, the stone mannequins? They're like, they have no soul. I'm like, this is a weird immigration thing here. I don't and, like. And, and she's like, we're being replaced. Yeah. I was, <laughs> like, like, I was like, I don't like whatever this is. Um, but yeah, it's mannequin. I, I will say a mother, Christmas. a mother for Christmas or mom for Christmas was a staple in the media's household really? when really? I was a kid. Because it, it used to replay on Disney Channel all the time. And so, like, I watched it for this, but I have no memory other than I was like, oh, it's her mannequin Christmas movie. I love this as a kid. This movie's a fucking horror movie. This yeah. movie is terrifying. Because <laughs> she's literally, like, she's burning their house down. She's like, I don't know what to do without these motherhood books. Yeah. And then there's a scene where a Santa mannequin is hit by a car. Right. And she brings to life... All of the other Christmas critters from around Not the neighborhood. the Christmas critters! <laughs> like, carolers, <laughs> elves, and they, like, hold hands and will him back to life. And they also all still have the plasticky face. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this... I was like, his no wonder limbs I was so are strewn, His limbs are, like, on the lawn, and they yes. slowly get pulled back into his body. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I was like, mm, no wonder I was, uh, this explains a lot. Yeah. My, me, me and my therapist are going to have a lot to talk about this week. Um, 94, A Christmas Romance, uh, which is actually the first film she does with her daughter, Chloe Latanzi. She's in that? Yeah, she's the eldest daughter. She's the like angry daughter who's yeah, like, she's I don't believe in anything. She, yeah, she's acting. I yeah. should have known. I was, I was going to say like, I remember watching this and I was like, these children are doing a lot. <laughs> Yelling, screaming, crying. They also have names. I, I don't know their real names, but their names are like Lemon Rose or like <laughs> M- Emma May. Emily. Yeah, I think one is yeah, Emily it's, Rose. It's very that. It's it's this movie's a classic misery situation where yeah. a man gets like trapped <laughs> in her cabin over Christmas. And her daughter just keeps being like, he's the Christmas stranger. I know. But also she's like. We have to preserve the old ways of the mountains. And I'm like, bitch, 
You're not from here. <laughs> I was like, I got to watch this. Let me read the description. And I was like, okay, so she's like going to get evicted from her home. And then the guy gets hurt and she like, he moves in. And then literally the scene is like, he's like, well, your house is going to be repossessed. And he like drives away, gets in an accident and has to like it all, the whole plot. And it's like, oh, it all happens in like 30 seconds. Got yep, it. Okay. Yep, not much yep. else is happening. It's worth it for one scene alone, which by the way is totally undone from the end because it's a romance so she has to end up with him but there's literally a scene where she's basically like fuck you and your republican ideals yeah, yeah. he's like everybody <laughs> should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and she's like nah you bastard yeah you don't like me because i believe that people ought to take responsibility for themselves rather than just be given everything you just don't understand do you what don't i understand how can we help ourselves if there are no jobs if people are willing to do anything they can always find something what? Whatever. There are plenty of jobs available down in the city. They can go down there and look for something. So they should leave their homes and their lifelong friends and all their relatives living and dead so they could turn out as self-centered and unfeeling as... Me? You said it. Gregory Harrison, who we will see again, first of all, very hot. Hot. Should, should have known that he was a homo. I should have known. <laughs> we will see him later. And I was like, okay, I get it. He wants to, like, evict you from your, like, dead husband's property. But, um, he's cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fully her Christmas era. Can I just bring up while we're talking about her Christmas career? One of my favorite things about her, not movie related, but it is a mini film. And it is her reunion with John Travolta for his song or their song. I think I might like it. And if you haven't seen the music video, please. It is mwah, one of the best. They have a whole album together. A whole Christmas yes. album. It was, oh, and the video is like them in a car and it's like very Grease parallels. And then I think they're in his weird Florida mansion doing like line dancing in his driveway. It's, it makes no sense. And it's so strange. And it's like when he still believed he had hair and was sharpening on his hair. Oh no. Um, I just, I love the two of them together. They're both sort of sweetly delusional in their own yes. way. And yes. I love their pairing. So, <laughs> um, 96 brings It's My Party, which is essentially like a long cameo because this is a movie with a ton of people in it. Margaret Cho. I mean, Eric Roberts is in it for more than a cameo because he's the lead. But Bronson Pinchot, uh, Olivia Newton-John. I saw, I saw somebody online that was like, why is Olivia Newton-John in this movie? Hello, it's the same director's Grease. Like, yeah. hello, Gregory Harrison from her last <laughs> that, hit movie. That, that was me. I was like, I was like, that's why she did it. <laughs> no, but I do love the fact. So like this movie is the director from Grease, but like it's based on his ex-lover. Like it's yeah. literally his ex. Uh, Catch me crying my fucking face off yeah. watching this movie. Completely. When he lays him down and says, we're going up the mountain. We're going up the mountain. The snow. Mm. Do you feel the I was sobbing. A full mess. And I, I think she's very good in this. I think she's great in it, too. She is, turns the volume down. You can, like... Th there are lots of different, you know, LGBTQIA, like, icons out there for many of reasons. But, like, watching her in this movie, I'm like... She's not even acting. Like, I know that she knows so many people who probably, um, you know, going through the crisis of AIDS and, like, passed away. I was like, you could just feel it in her soul. Because she was with this director on Greece, Yeah. And his ex-lover did die. Had a party to commit suicide because he was, you know, having complications from HIV and AIDS. And it's just like, you feel it, like, in, in, in her gut. I mean, it is a long cameo. 
But like even just yeah. those scenes are so like, ugh. And and that's literally the plot of the movie. The plot of the movie is you know it's a gay couple who is since split up. One of them is dying from AIDS and decides to throw a party in which in the end he's going to commit suicide. So he won't be alone because they've had friends who were alone. I think it's very easy to look at this movie specifically as a time capsule of a period of time, which we will hopefully never return to. But I think that also makes it easier for people to be like, uh, I don't really under because it is a bit of a melodrama, but like it's a melodrama with a message. And I, I don't know. I think that that's knowing that and like being empathetic about that is important. I think for me, like understanding a lot of especially old school, like um, queer comedy, like watching this, I was like, the comedy is so aggressive, so biting, so inappropriate. But like. And I think for probably younger people being like, there's lines or whatever. Like this to me, I was like, this is literally like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Nothing. Me either. And it's because he's going to be dead. Yeah. Like that type of shit where it's just like the pain is so, so heavy that the the, the humor has to just like cut through. And so Bronson Pinchot is so good. Margaret Cho is so good. Um, and, and I love the people, like, I like the people in the movie who don't understand it. You know, Roddy McDowell's in it, and he's really kind of like, w- like, why do we want to do this? Bruce Davidson's in it, you know, playing mm-hmm. kind of, he's, is he living in Yeah, he's her husband? husband, yeah. Yeah. And, and their son, who's also queer. Yeah. He's like, Oh my with God, me. Devin Gummersall, who played Lisa the Lesbian on The L Word, and Brian, what's his face, on My So-Called, on my so-called Life. Life, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It's a, it's a genuinely great cast. Sally Kellerman's in it for like, maybe five seconds. But I love oh, I her, thought Lee so. Grant was so good too, doing a dialect. Yeah, Lee Grant yeah. was great, and also Marley Matlin and like Lee Marley Grant Matlin. are so good. <laughs> like when when he actually dies, and you hear like you, he brings him into the bedroom, and you can still hear Lee Grant. I was like, this movie is like people are giving performances, and I think it was like. I had been reading about how so many, like, everyone was friends. So, like, Sally Kellerman, like, brought her own dog. And, like, Bruce Davidson, like, only had a date. And, like, they didn't give him a script. So he, like, showed up with an outline and just, like, improvised all of his lines, allegedly. And all of these things. And I was, like, it was, like, a group effort. And I thought everyone was very good. Greg Louganis is in this movie also. Yes, with Steve Kometko, who he apparently dated for many, many years. But I didn't even, I didn't spot them. I only saw them in the credits. I, I do have to ask, because you guys have interviewed Margaret Cho before on your podcast, which everybody can go listen to. Uh, not right now. Finish this episode first. I don't know if you guys had seen this movie beforehand, but it's a real missed opportunity that you didn't ask her about that wig in the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and so many of the jokes were at her expense, and I thought she was so beautiful. I think she yeah. is so beautiful, and it was just like, there were so many fat jokes, which I think was the hardest part of that entire the, film. Yeah, the um, 90s, what a weird fucking time for body horrendous. image. I'm like, I was like, oh, yeah. No, I will I say, right. as for, like, I was crying my face off, it's so emotional, but at the end of the day, it's like, these are two very rich white dudes who, like, are yeah. living in LA, have, like, this right. beautiful... Yeah, the intersectionality is not... No, it's yeah. very, like, one's an architect, one's an artist who's living as an artist. Yeah. Like, th- he's they, they, part- they sell their horses in part of their breakup. It's like, I've sold the horses. <laughs> right, yes. right. Yeah. Right, so it's, like, not, like... I mean, I totally get it, but, like, again, a time capsule of, like, yeah. you know... Again, who would be the people to like be able to have this type of party? Of course, it's based off of a famous director's ex-lover. Yeah. Um, so I agree yeah, it's too, on and YouTube. I think, 
I, I think that also I didn't expect the director of Grease to be able to make something that felt sort of nuanced and sweet and simple. Yes. Um, and I was like, Damien, it's like the anniversary party, a movie we love. It's like the anniversary party, but make it AIDS. And I was like, this is yeah. a great totally. movie. I was so impressed. It was a missed opportunity that we didn't get to talk to Margaret Cho because like this was the first time each of us had seen this movie. It does feel like gay canon. And I feel glad to have watched it for Olivia Newton-John, who I think this movie watching it in the context after listening to her book made me realize that i was like if she's gay if she's not whatever her deal is like i feel like she has gay cred she did yes, this movie yes. she and randall kleiser were best friends she probably was at this party where this guy yes. killed himself yes. um and i feel like you know we'll get to sorted lives but i feel like she's done enough things that are nods mm-hmm. more than nods to the mm-hmm. community and i was and like she's a gay icon also we were talking before we came on but like the even the end of the music video for physical ends with two men leaving the gym class together like holding hands which in 1980 is a thing that that's significant yeah it's a really fucking grab the kleenex bitches but it's <laughs> mm-hmm. on youtube um it's my party he doesn't know how to deal with andrew things are not great with us in divorcing we have three kids staying together will not help anybody what am i gonna do without you to turn to you'll be fine 2000 speaking of gay shit she's in sorted lives mm-hmm. very uh, gay very gay uh, it is a a film about a, a woman who dies and the, the rest of the plot's a little bifurcated. It's, you know, the family coming together for a funeral. Part of it's about uh, this grandson who's gay, who's never really come out, come out. Uh, th- these three sisters, um, Beth Grant, as you mentioned, um, you have Bitsy May, who is Olivia Newton-John's character, who's a. Troubadour? Troubadour. Some sort. Do they mention in the movie that she's a lesbian? Because no. she mentions in the book she's a lesbian. She I don't mentioned think because it comes out at the funeral, She it's clear that she's like had a relationship with a woman that died. Yeah, and like Bonnie yes. Bedelia and Beth Grant insinuate that she's like, they, like mama or whatever has been hanging out with like Bitsy and it's like implied mm. that that's like an interesting situation. And then mm. at the end it comes out that, I don't know, she's gay. I had no idea about the tumor. I'm so sorry. But I got to tell you, Peggy touched my life. The nymphomaniac, Peggy. With all due respect, we were close. Very close. So Del Shore, very famous gay playwright, written a lot of Southern gay plays. I wish the Brother Boy stuff. Brother Boy is is played by... um, Leslie. Leslie Jordan, who, and he's like, been in a psychiatric institution for 20 years for being gay and i needed that plot to like endure john waters area it needed to be pushed because i was like the way it was i was like well this is just upsetting <laughs> i was like i am just upset by this i mean to me i feel i mean del shore is from like a small town in texas and it you just feel that you feel it you know and so i there is a difference between like growing up in Baltimore and like Nowheresville, <laughs> Texas. Um, and so like, I think this is his version of that. Do I think sort of lives is amazing? No, but I think it's like, yeah. I think it's pretty fucking funny. Um, it's great actresses yes. like around the board. I was kind of upset. Like I had seen, I had like thought I had seen it. And I, I think I watched part of it maybe for Beth Grant. And I had watched like some of the show when it was on Logo. But I like watched it like sit down in earnest, like not on my phone. And I was like, oh, this is like super character driven. And like people are doing like so much business. But I was like, Delta Burke is phenomenal. Bonnie Bedelia is phenomenal. I was like obsessed with their work. I also found the brother boy and like that whole I was like, I just want these scenes to be edited out of the movie. But I like I thought what Olivia was doing was really refreshing and different for her. And like she looked like a real person, like 
And yeah. I was really into it. It was like gritty. And I and I, I like stopped and rewound to see if she was really playing the guitar. And I was like, okay, she is. I'm into <laughs> it. She's I, I thought it was really sweet. And I don't know, like I don't know that the plot what the plot was, but I was really into like watching all of these great actors like get to do something like really specific and like yeah, just like super specific. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the the business about the gum on the mo- on the microphone. So anytime that she performs in the movie, because she does have a couple songs, they wrote, wrote the song "Sorted Lives" for the film. She like takes gum out of her mouth and sticks it on the microphone. I don't know if that's in the script. I actually think that might have been her. It's a good. It's a good it's like. A little bit. Uh, yeah, it's a bit. It's a yeah. Bit. Yeah, and I feel um, like it's a nod to her lesbian rumors. And like Damien was saying, like you, Damien, who always mentions teeth. She was maybe in her original teeth there. And also you got to see that like Australian sun damage. I was like, this is what she looks like. And she looks beautiful. Whatever the character choices are, she looks like a version of herself where you're like, oh yeah, she's like beautiful, but normal. Like after this movie, everything that she does is either is sort of a cameo and she kind of looks like a a Hollywood person, you know? Totally. Um, the next thing she does is <laughs> the Wild Girls. The most psycho uh, thing she's yeah, done. Yeah, <laughs> it's a in two thousand one. It's a year later. Um, it is also Adele Shores, uh, written and directed. Uh, she does it for Showtime. It is her, her daughter Chloe Latanzi, and uh, Susie Kurtz. Susie Kurtz, my love of my life. So good. Um, I love. She's incredible. Susie. Um, and yeah, it was a sweet sixteen present to the dot. Like it, there is <laughs> but, no explanation for this movie <laughs> other than. Here, baby, let's make a movie. Let me tell you, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John seems like such a really nice, mm-hmm. great, patient mother. And I have to say, her daughter wants to be a singer. She finds out her mother had a, a like secret one-hit wonder singing life. Um, also finds out her dad's not dead. Yeah. Um, and then Susie Kurtz uh, has a romance with a, with, gay a man. with a gay man. I was real. I really thought the first 20 minutes that Swoosie, Swoosie and Olivia were lovers because yes! they lived together. And then Absolutely. Swoosie's like rubbing her shoulders with a glass of wine. I was like, oh, they're for sure gay. They're for sure gay. Then they mentioned Brother Boy. And I was like, oh, right. We're in the Sorted Lives universe, but they're she's playing a different character, but maybe she's still a lesbian. None of that is true. But Brother Boy is still a picture in the background. But yeah, the le- once the lesbian subplot was revealed to be untrue, I zoned out. Yep, same. Yeah. I mean... First of all, it's, it's insane that Chloe gets like a record contract essentially for performing Rock and Robin at so a cool. high school talent <laughs> show. And the movie contains maybe the worst version of the perfect song at last mm-hmm. I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. The next thing she does is a whole nine years later. Uh, she plays the mother of the lead character in Score, a hockey musical. Yes. <laughs> Canadian. The most Canadian movie I've ever seen. (laughs) Certainly. It is fully on YouTube and it is uploaded like it's a screener. Like the editor did it himself. It's (laughs) HQ. HQ. Um, Nelly Furtado's in this? Yeah. For two lines. But but like (laughs) they they were like, we'll film her for an hour just sitting in the stands cheering on hockey (laughs) and singing one line. Um, The the movie stars, by the way, um, Noah Reed from Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek back in his twink phase, and he's mm-hmm. essentially like uh, a like a nerdy like homeschooled guy that wants to be on a hockey team, and he just happens to be like a, mm-hmm. a, a what he's like, like he's very good, but he's a pacifist, yes, and doesn't want to fight. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a very bizarre movie, but like 
I guess uh, the man that wrote the music, Mark Jordan, it plays his father with Olivia Newton-John. Oh. I have to say, this was my least favorite vocal performance from <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. The vocals it was weren't weird. there. The songs was, were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Half the time it felt like they were just making up the lyrics. And then I was like, but that can't be because there's choreography. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt hockey players descended from baboons. Going by the behavior of those guns. I didn't know this movie existed and then I read the comments and people were like, yes, this is our, I, this is our Canadian anthem. This is our high school musical. And you know, there were like 17 comments, not like 4,000, <laughs> but I do think in some subset of Canada, this maybe is an important film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Some just, subset, not some, all of Canada. There's a no, subset a of very, Canada. A very small, oh uh, <sighs> boy. Oh, goodness. Uh, thank you, Canada, for your hard work. Um, the next year, she's in A Few Best Men, mm-hmm. their big return to the Australian screen. Um, this is a very, like, American Pie, like, romp wannabe. Yeah. This is Rebel Wilson the same year that Bridesmaid came out. And I think that it's such a night and day thing because they give her nothing to do in this movie. And she, like... It's like, oh, well, she's so funny in her one scene in Bridesmaids. Yeah. But you gave, you literally like make her a secondary lead in this movie. A fake lesbian. Yeah. As an LOL in this movie. Um, the, It's a movie about a, a guy who, a British man who meets an Australian woman. They decide that they're going to get married on vacation and he goes to meet her family because he's an orphan. And, and, and they're the Kennedys of Australia. Yeah. And, uh. It's just gross and it's miserable and I hate it every second of it. The only joke they give <laughs> Olivia Newton-John is she does blow and she's like literally swinging from a chandelier. It was like once she did the coke, I was like, okay, well, this is this is going to be we're going to get something. And then when it cut to her like laughing at the wedding and like swinging from the chandelier, I was like, oh, so you couldn't think of anything. <laughs> no, I wanted the game to keep going. I wanted her to like get in a fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that was the it was always like the like. The stuff that was too far was too far, and the stuff that wasn't too far wasn't far enough. I don't know, because like when was they it had, far enough or it wasn't. It's fashion. Yeah, <laughs> gotta say, didn't have you pegged as a party girl, Barbara. Oh, last couple on the dance floor until Jim became this right wing maniac. Now look at him, retiring, giving up his seat for his daughter, try forcing it down her throat. You can mess with me. That's one thing, but mess with my kids? No way, Jose. That's it. End of the road. I'm all right, thanks. Don't be such a wuss. Don't be such a pussy. Come on. <laughs> it really is a downhill situation. Yeah. yeah, 2017, she does Sharknado 5 Global Swimming. It's the only thing I didn't watch because I knew it was going to be a glorified cameo. And also, I watched the trailer and saw that her daughter was in it. And I was like, oh, that's why she did it. Um, and then 2020, she does the very excellent Mr. Dundee, which is the latest Crocodile Dundee film based off of the advertisement campaign that they did during the Super Bowl in 2019 with Chris, with Chris Hemsworth, who is not in the movie. A lot, a lot of celebrities are not in this movie, but yes. somehow they were able to take like interviews from red carpets and <laughs> stitch it into this movie. Um, is bad. The, the only celebrity he was able to, well, the only two celebrities he was able to trick into being in this film are Olivia Newton-John and Reginald Vell Johnson. Reggie! <laughs> Who, I will admit, the only time the movie made me laugh was at the end, the revelation that there is a Crocodile Dundee musical, and they did in fact cast Reginald Vell Johnson as Crocodile Dundee. I was like, that's funny. The and movie there, was comedy. like deranged, because the premise is like the Paul Hogan is like so controversially in the news, and I was like, 
he's 80 and Crocodile Dundee, like the last one came out in like 1988. Like this is wild that this movie was even (laughs) funded. I know. I was like, if people don't understand how the media works, like (laughs) this guy would be so lucky if anyone cared that he was a white supremacist or a QAnon or whatever. Like, no, my favorite review of the movie, like actual review, like a person that got paid to write a review was you can be comforted in knowing that this is John Cleese's worst performance in a movie and he's playing himself. Correct. I saw that as well. I was like, okay. As we mentioned before, she is currently married uh, to a man that does herbal medicine. Um, She did have a reoccurrence of cancer um, about five, six years ago. And this time she kept it quiet um, and it mostly passed. And now uh, in the last couple of years, she was just diagnosed for a third time, stage four cancer. The second time it was found in her shoulder. This third time it was found in her back. Um, so she's currently living with cancer. Uh, but she, as you mentioned, you know, her husband grows cannabis. You know, she's off of morphine. She's taking herbal remedies. And that's what she said shrunk the cancer the last time. So she's keeping up with that. She's become a huge uh, cannabis and marijuana advocate. In California, it's legal to grow a certain amount of, amount of plants for your own medicinal purposes. So he makes me tinctures, tinctures, it's hard to say. And um, they help with pain, they help with sleep. And um, so I'm very lucky that I'm, I live in a, in a state where it's legal and that I have a husband that is a plant medicine man. I mean, how lucky is that? Yeah. And we're trying to, my dream is that in Australia soon, it will be available to all the cancer patients and people going through cancer or any kind of disease that causes pain. And that's the maybe the other thing that I um, haven't mentioned is that she actually has her own hospital, it, or a hospital named after her in Australia. It's the Olivia Newton-John Cancer and Wellness uh, Center. And she like fought for the word wellness to be put in there because she was like... I don't want it to just be about cancer, you know, I don't want it. And yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a cool, very new agey hospital. Obviously you can sort of select whatever treatment you want in terms of what you need to get accomplished. So there is like, right. Very scientific medication, but there are also more holistic things. She says there's therapists for every room and group therapies. And it, it sounds like a good place. And she sounds like a genuinely great person. Mentioned her daughter before Chloe Latanzi. She's, also had a lot of issues. She's had a lot of plastic surgery for someone so young. She spent over $500,000 on plastic surgery, I believe. Oh um, and she's also had to deal with uh, a lot of uh, bulimia and weight issues, which uh, Olivia Newton-John has really supported her through and helped her out. So as I said, I think she's a very good mom. <laughs> I think, you know. Oh my God, that's so awful. Um, but yeah, that really brings us up to now. So why don't we get into our picks and then we'll talk about Olivia going forward in the fast forward. So why don't we start with our one star reviews? Yeah. Mm. Get the bat out of the way. Absolutely. So as we like to do, because we're evil queers, we <laughs> we like to make our guests go first. So <laughs> Damien Ann, which one of you would like to go first to give us your one star review? I will give my one star review to two of a kind. Okay. I, yes. I... Just couldn't, the movie lacks charm, but it was the first time, with the exception of maybe some of the TV films, where I was like, I'm not finding Olivia's spark here. And I felt mm. like, uh, you know, we didn't get to see her sing, which I think, like, 
the in like she's acting when she's singing. So yeah, two of a kind is getting. But my she one. got to montage on a boat to that song. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have the. She wasn't connecting, you know. So for That's me, true. it's two, two, two a kind is going to get my one star review. Good pick. Good pick. And I, I completely agree with the sentiment. However, because she was paired with Dear Johnny T, I cannot give two of a kind a one-star review. It's going to have to be for me, a mom for Christmas, because you know I cannot stand the bangs on Olivia Newton-John. Those bangs on the long it's hair the bangs. will never do. It's not where she belongs. It's not her wheelhouse. And she was playing a mannequin. I just, it could have been more fun. It was terrible. I love a maternal ONJ. I find eroticism even in that. But not in a mom for Christmas. So for me, that's my one star. She has somebody. She has her father. Then why did her father stop taking pictures of her eight years ago? Her mother died eight years ago. I know that. Is that when you stopped listening to your daughter and looking at her? You have no right to say that to me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very fuzzy on what my rights are. I had very little orientation. Very good pick. Gavin? Oh, you want me? Okay, yeah. well then, if if I have to pick one, it's definitely has to be The Wild Girls from 2001. <laughs> I know it's a television <laughs> film. I know we're, we're, we don't always veer into the television realm, but there is so few, such slim pickings when it comes to Olivia Newton-John. And I feel bad being like, wow, that movie she was in with her daughter is real bad, but it is... <laughs> It's so bad. I mean, it is melodrama on top of melodrama. None of it is funny. Like, And I was like, there's clearly jokes here. They're just not landing. <laughs> but the worst, the worst bit is, is when they're screaming at each other about how much they hate each other. Yeah. And I just honestly think that Olivia can never hate that sweet soul that is Chloe Latanzi. <laughs> I never meant to lie to you, honey. Do you have any idea what it's been like carrying this around for the last 14 years? If I made a mistake. I thought he didn't want me. And I hated him because of that. And now I find out he did. I'm sorry. Why? I was trying to protect you. No. You did it to protect you. And you hurt. Everybody else around you. I didn't know. That's well, a rough watch. It's It was hard to get through. And we watch a lot of movies for this show. We've seen bad movies. Yeah. And I was just like, someone financed this. Yes. Um, Showtime. <laughs> I, will, I will say, and maybe the one thing I didn't mention in, in our rewind is that she's a huge animal lover. She has like... So many dogs and so many cats and so many horses, tiny horses now, tiny. because th that way she won't be tempted to ride them, she okay. has said. Okay. Um, so this movie, at least, like, her character is, like, an animal lover and she's taking away, like, she brings home a dog and they're like, what is this, number nine? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Also, I think that movie's supposed to be set in Georgia and it's clearly Australia and they're, like, trying to pass it. <laughs> What, does her daughter have whatever accent she's doing in this movie? I believe she has an, I think she has an American accent. I don't think she Chloe has like. Chloe's doing Southern and Olivia she's doing is Southern. maybe like Australian, but every once in a while tries to do Southern. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I'm trying to remember because there was a, um, the worst of the Drag Race franchise, Drag Race Down Under. They did like one of the video messages together. And it's so funny because. She doesn't share Olivia Newton-John's last name. Right. So when I was watching, I was like, 
who's this woman with her? And then I Googled it and was like, oh, this is her daughter. Yeah. Um, because she also doesn't look like her anymore. And I don't remember her having an accent. I, I don't think she has an accent, but in this movie, she fully yeah, is Southern. coming and going between like, back in Georgia. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Like, like Olivia has never attempted to not have her accent and no. like, good for her. Like, Our girl she's... is not a dialect person. No, 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 no. Um, my one star review, you know, and you all picked very good ones, but I, I was the the come down, the letdown of Xanadu is just very hard for me to pass through. I could the scenes of her just like skating around and like the the the, the poor man's Andy Gibb just like talking into like I don't know the wilderness while she skates. I just don't think she gets any opportunity in there to actually act. I think obviously the songs are great. She's a performer, but this movie. Um, doesn't know what it's doing and um even though i i'm basing on her performance i think in this movie uh is my one star review xanadu you sunny you've been painted by michelangelo shakespeare's written sonnets about us beethoven's played music for us we're not supposed to feel emotion or show any feelings muses are just supposed to inspire fell in love get out so sorry get out so sorry <laughs> but, uh, my xanadu is like at a musical mondays at a gay bar and you're just hearing xanadu on repeat like this yes. <laughs> that song i don't want anything else when those drummers start uh, anyways I, yeah. I i digress was there anything else that you guys saw that you didn't particularly like did anyone see sharknado 5 we I both did watched. watch yeah <laughs> wow we did. It is did. it a cameo? I'm assuming it is it's a, a cameo. cameo. There's so many, as you know, there's so many cameos, but like, I'm convinced I was really hoping that she and Chloe were going to be in the same room with Tara Reid and Ian Ziering. Definitely not either of them. They definitely filmed their scenes remotely <laughs> and then it was spliced in later, but it was all just like a bunch of really sad references to her movies. Like oh. uh, it was like, tell me about it. And she was like, don't, okay. um, don't get okay. too physical. Okay. Um, yeah. Writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, I mean, Two of a Kind is a really good pick. And it, it's frustrating because she clearly does have that chemistry with John Travolta. And it's just not really there. There's that scene where they, like, don't, where they, like, almost have sex and then they don't. And, and John Travolta's like, oh, men are terrible and whatnot. And I'm like, what is he doing? I guess you're mad at me now because I don't want to. I don't think you're right. I wouldn't make love to me either if I were you. No, I mean, I want to make love to you, but I don't know. I'm glad you won't. Men are insane. They're the scourge of the earth. If I had a daughter, I wouldn't let one near her. Okay, as a matter of fact, if someone like myself came to my door to take my daughter out, I think I'd get a gun. Maybe if it wasn't actually like a true romantic comedy where we got to watch their chemistry, like be fully, but like, again, we're watching then scenes where four angels are working in a restaurant and then like on rewind. So there's no time to really earn the, whatever this plot is. We're not really spending time with the protagonist, the couple. My favorite thing is also they have to explain like, okay guys, new rules. We're not playing rewind anymore because God. God said no. I know it's like you're a kid playing a game and you're just like, okay guys, the rules are different now. Yeah. And the the devil's here, but like, whatever, okay? Like, don't. But in the end, he saves everybody. Sorry, spoiler alert for a movie everybody hates. Yeah. Um, The devil, yeah, very good pick. I I hated watching Excellent Mr. Dundee. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah, that's not a movie. <laughs> she's not, she's not like, I, I didn't pick it because she's very small yeah. in it, but like, that movie hurt my soul. It's not a movie. It's no. not a, I think calling right. it a movie is generous. Right. And that came out to theaters. Well, no, it didn't. Mm. Sorry, pandemic. But it was supposed it to, to yeah, it was supposed to like get an Australian film release, like yeah. theater, theatrical we, release. The like, mo- like the most produced part of that was literally the beginning of explaining to us that this person is very famous. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get out of the negative and into the positive. We're going to get physical with some five-star reviews. How dare you, Kevin? How dare you? Damien, you want to go first? What is your five-star review? So my five-star review, you know, I, I I love Grease so much, but I really felt like my five-star review had to go towards Sorted Lives. I felt like I was so pleased to watch and spend time with those characters. <laughs> and I also was like really into watching her. I thought it was like one of the things, one of the few things where I really got to see her range, like, and that she got to do something different. And I was, I felt like there was like some version of her technique was, a, was on display and getting to see her sing, but it wasn't like, you know, a, a musical. I was really taken with, uh, I was really taken with Sorted Lives. Same. So uh, I, I had no, I had no expectations, no idea what was going on, but I was like, this is kind of, I was like, okay, here we go. Everyone camp. It's here. Here's camp. So we all know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, she's, she's really good. I mean, she's, she's not like a main player in it, but she is part of the fabric of the community. And I think she's, um, you're right. Does she do accent work in this movie? She does. She's like kind of doing like a Southern thing. She's doing it, folks. yeah, but it's also very caricature. But everyone in the movie is kind of like a caricature. Now, now you mentioned, by the way, Damien, that you've seen bits of the show. I've not seen any bits of the show. I do know that she did reprise her role. Uh, does she have a larger role? Because that was maybe my one negative when I was watching for Olivia. Like, like I got like 50, 60 minutes in like the first hour and I was just like, she going to come back? Yeah. <laughs> I think that she has a bigger role because, like, they explore her. Like, I think she's in a relationship with Dale Dickey on the TV show. And so it's like, oh. there's, like, more of an, like, you get to see more of her, like, romantic yeah. life. And, like, it's a prequel. So the right, woman, right, right. like, Rue McClanahan plays the mom. So she's alive. This was Peggy's favorite hymn. I'd like to sing for her. She passes through those pearly gates to meet her maker. Just as I am. Listen to the words. They apply on so many levels. And what about you? Five-star review? So I also wanted to try and veer away from Greece because I feel like it's the expected choice where she gets to have the most range. And so I was thinking Sorted Lives for me was also the thing where I felt like it was finally getting to see Olivia Newton-John do something that was very knowing, which is nice and plays against her very star image of being a very sweet girl next door. However, since Damien already covered that territory and we're a team, I'm going to go with Greece, which I know Good. is an obvious choice, but I'm going <laughs> to give it five stars because I really just do think it holds up. It's the thing that we get to see her have the most range in. And I I think as you guys said like we're still waiting to have her get something else that she gets to show that much range in and i don't know that it's actually ever going to happen um she does get to have the sandy one sandy two transformation but i think she also is playing it really straight which is hard in that movie where everyone is playing really over the top so i have to say like whether or not it was because she was a little green or whatever that i think whatever she was bringing to greece really worked so i know we've all seen it i know everyone's seen it ad infinitum but i do think it's a five star yeah, I agree. I think I think my favorite thing that she does just to prove that like Sandy 2 is like Sandy 2 might be her new reality, but it is a bit of a performance is when 
you know, you're the one that I want starts. And she like takes the cigarette out and she doesn't know what to do with it. She looks back at the pink ladies and they're like, drop it, drop it. And she like yeah. puts mm. it on the ground and steps it out. It's so good. It's such a well-informed character choice because it's like, That's oh yeah, a she's great not. observation, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's not someone different. She's right. Sandy. Right. You know, she's just in drag. She's Sandy. She's Sandy. That is also her feminist justification for why it's okay to like show yes. children grease in the book. She was like, I know people say it's anti-feminist for her to change herself, <laughs> but this is a choice that she's made for fun, for performance. <laughs> but also, and Danny wears a Letterman sweater, so it's all fine. But also, I mean, so first of all, my five star is also Grease. I think she's is it okay. I was she's radiant. I couldn't tell if you were giving it to no 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 okay. no. I think she is. You know, just she shines in this movie. And also, like, as I was, like, kind of, like, diving into this, at the end of the movie, Danny is not just wearing the letter. He earned that letter. He, yes. He, mm, she says like earlier, this. She, she says, <laughs> you couldn't run, like, this jock over here is actually doing something with his life. He cares about something. And so Danny goes to fucking PE, tries to find a sport that he could be a part of. And at the end of the movie, it's revealed that he has stuck with track. He stuck with it and got the letter. And so there, he's not doing this performance. He actually did do this. And so it's not just Sandy who has changed herself for him. He has also tried to transform himself to be loved by her as well. And so, and that's the, 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 the beautiful connection of the two of them. Like they want to be with each other and are willing to, you know, do whatever it takes, whether that is, you know, and, and there, a lot of this movie is, performance for sex like yeah and the shame of like not knowing and like not understanding like they're supposed to be teenagers like i know that yeah. they're not but like a lot of it is like there's the one scene where the guy's like does it only take 15 minutes like th- they are supposed to be fumbly and stupid and like this is when you make mistakes this is when you like don't know exactly what to do and so they're they are performing for each other and she is changing herself into this like heightened reality version. I mean, they fucking fly away in a car. Like, I right. mean, it's wait, that's not realistic. That, that's I mean, not realism. Yeah. Uh-oh. But, but for the entire, like the rest of the movie, she is playing the straight person. She's like down to earth. She's like, not like fucking Rizzo is, yeah. you know, like, I mean, so, so good. The best. Yeah. I mean, everyone else is kind of like on this other planet, you know, yeah. so, so good. Jealous. Oh, come on, Sandy. Don't make me laugh. Ha, ha, ha. What have you ever done? Oh, come on. I can run circles around those jerks. <laughs> I believe that when I see it. My favorite bit besides all that stuff is, <laughs> and it's very silly. And it's once again, like you can tell it was recorded in studio that she's lip syncing to it. But when look at me, I'm Sandra D ends the first time mm-hmm. when it, and she's like, you're making fun of me, Riz. The way that she says it, I'm like, oh, that poor girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> um, it's so funny. So I was I was torn because I was nervous and you made it sound like you weren't going to pick Grease and it sounded like you were going with Sorted Lives too and I was like, am I going to be the asshole who has to pick Grease? No, it's <laughs> me. So, because I don't have to, I'm going to go rogue. Okay. It's Xanadu, baby. Yeah! No. <laughs> I love her in Xanadu. And it's so funny that you say like she's not given a chance to act but that's what she's doing throughout all of those songs. And you're right, Anne. She's maybe not the world's best dancer, but during that scene, she is really giving it all. And you can tell that she, and maybe it's not acting. Maybe it's just Olivia Newton-John. She loves being in that scene with Gene Kelly. She truly loves, and he's emoting, and they're doing their huffing. At the end, as you said, the best she's ever looked when she has (laughs) that feathered hair, and she comes through. Like, oh, I love it. I mean, 
I think she deserves an Academy Award just for having to pretend to fall in love with that lead. Yeah. He's literally <laughs> a brick wall. And she has to like pump so much emotion into that. Um, speaking of, once again, she also did injure herself on the set of Xanadu. Within the first week, Live. she fell and also broke a bone in her back and like had to do xanadu the entire shooting of xanadu with like a oh, right. broken didn't she she hurt herself in that scene where they're like going through um it's like there's like a desert scene and like the things are coming up and down yeah, the, the suddenly scene where it's yeah like yeah the the roller rink that has all the like movie sets in it for right. some reason there's yeah. like technology that she presses a button and all of a sudden they're transported to yeah. whatever um Hmm. I disagree, but <laughs> but but I think she's I think she's just luminous and like it, once again it's not a perfect vehicle. There's so many problems with it, but I just get such enjoyment out of that movie. And uh, like I used to dance, I took 15 years of tap and jazz, a dancer <gasps> of the dance, yeah. And so like when I see dancing like that in a movie, when I see that much joy, that much arm movement, that much, I'm just like this. This was made for me. Thank you. I will say yeah. the, the, there is full magic seeing her dance with Gene Kelly. Like, it, yeah. it, I think they look amazing. My issue is more just with, like, the, everything else. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> And I understand you being like, well, the camera barely moves in that scene. Yeah, that can be a little... It's very stagey, but, like, that's... She looks, because it's meant to be, like, the 40s, you know? She that's, looks incredible, though. Yeah. Um, it's... I was like, wait a second. So he fell in love with her back in the day. Yeah. And she then was there. She, <laughs> and, and then he becomes a business partner with this guy who wants to fuck her. It's very bizarre. Yeah, it's very it is a little bizarre. bizarre. I'm Kira. Of course, you're Kira. But. Uh, but. I, I mean, don't I know you? I don't think so. Are you sure? Because. Because. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I was thinking. I. Get, oh, I'm sorry. Forget it. Forget it. Was John Mahoney for like thirty minutes? I was like googling, and I was like, "Is young John Mahoney in Xanadu?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's Gene Kelly. I'm stoned." But I was really convinced it was John. I, w- I would love if it been young John Mahoney. Oh my goodness! Uh. Um, the uh, was, was there anything else that we should mention that you guys really enjoyed? I mean, I really loved It's My Party. I, I, oh, and I yeah, thought her yeah, performance, yeah. but I, I thought that was just like a. I would if, if you're a queer person or any person and have not seen it, I highly recommend. Same, same. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything that deserves as much exaltation as that. Like that is something everybody should see. Uh it's it's very good. And once again, it's another one of those movies that's like sort of impossible to find. But if you just type it into Google I mean into YouTube, it's there. There's an HD version in YouTube that's pristine. And if not, email me and I'll send it to you. I also (laughs) I also want to give a shout out to to tomorrow. Yeah. Um, It's fun. It's fun. It's silly. And also, she has that same bright energy from Greece, where she's just kind of yes. radiant, bebopping around, the girly who just wants to have a fun time. Um, yeah, I like that movie a lot. All right. Let's get out of our picks and do our fast forward. What is the next thing for Olivia and John? She's retired from performing. She's mm-hmm. retired from touring. Uh, she's still making music. But she is currently living with cancer. She says she prefers the terminology of living with cancer instead of fighting cancer. She doesn't want it to be about a battle. Mm. But she is also like, if that's how you feel about it, then you should feel about it. Uh, You mentioned that interview, which I think is now two years old, with Gail King. 
And I question Gail King's journalist journalistic <laughs> ethics because basically she's like, do you know how long you're going to live? <laughs> right. Fucking she's like, suck. well, I, I kind of know the math, but I'm not going to talk about it because I'm <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I'm probably going to die soon, uh-huh. but I'm trying to move in a different direction yeah. than dealing with those numbers in a, you know, in a public way. If they give you, in my opinion, if they give you a percentage or, you know, this many women get this and they live this long, you can create that and make it happen. It's almost like, I think I know what the statistics are, if, and, and, but I put them away, but I, I'm gonna live longer than that. I'm, I'm very happy that she has become such a, uh, you know, such an advocate for cannabis. And it's so funny in the book, she's like, and my husband explained to me that nobody has died from cannabis. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, very good. Excellent. She's done her research. Yeah. Um, uh, on top of, you know, the wellness center and everything, we also didn't mention she runs a very famous, um, like spa and healthcare retreat called Gaia um, that it's like, up there in terms of service and whatnot it gets it's won a bunch of awards um she did open a business in the 90s called koala blue which was uh, apparently like a series of cafes slash bookstores slash gift shops Hot. in like oh, san yeah, francisco yeah, 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 and yeah. new york and and then they like they lasted like five to seven years and belly upped and, and then and, rainforest cafe souped yeah. in <laughs> and she, she like mentions in the book she's like we made the mistake that they tell you never to do which is don't invest your own money. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, that's a hard lesson to learn. I was like, that's why there's all those Christmas movies in the 90s. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. What what do you guys hope for for the future for Olivia? I just, I just want her to live happy and healthy and like keep being altruistic with her money. I feel grateful I got to see her at her Vegas residency. I took <sighs> myself by myself to go see her and that felt, I felt grateful to have seen her live. I think that she's probably done performing and I agree. It's nice to see her spreading her wealth around in ways that are um, progressive and with the current moment with regards to like health and disease. Um, I wanted to get her flowers, I guess, you know, and I feel like yeah. she, you know, I don't think she's underappreciated, but I think because she has the nice girl persona and, you know, I think that she is like a pretty good actor and definitely a movie star. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we said some things that were somewhat disparaging of her acting talent on this, but like ultimately I think that she's like one of the greats of our generation in the number of landmark things that she's been in. So I just want John Travolta to sing her praises. <laughs> I want her to keep, she appeared on Grease Night on Dancing with the Stars via video. You know, I'd like to see her get some recognition. I don't think she has a Kennedy Center award coming, but you know, something along those lines. I would like her to live long enough to make it to the 50th anniversary of Greece because I feel like it'll be a blowout. Mm. Didi Khan <laughs> and the whole crew are going to come out. Johnny T. And that's like 2028, 20, I guess. So I would like her to live to see that day because I feel like it will be a huge moment in pop culture. Uh, and I'd also like for her to get to do a guest spot on Drag Race Down Under in person without her daughter. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's uh, in her book. She mentions like her ultimate goal, and I. I mean, who knows if it's attainable? I think logically, it's maybe not. Is to someday see cancer removed from the sign of her hospital. Mm. That cancer would be eliminated enough that that would be taken down, and mm. it would just be the Olivia Newton-John Wellness Center. I wish that for her. I genuinely wish that for her. I don't know if it's you know she's seventy three now. 
I don't know if it's quite possible, but yeah, part of me is like always wondering, like you know, John Travolta has has had plenty of bombs in his career, yeah, and like why the fuck has he had the career that he has, and she did not have that type of career, like you know, and and a part of me thinks like you know the um, fucking misogyny of Hollywood like really sidelined her for what could I mean because she is a oh, yeah. movie star. W- women only get one mistake, yes, which yeah. is deranged but yeah. yeah i mean and, and 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 not only that but like she had you know such a successful music career after the bomb of xanadu like there is no reason why she should not have been able to come back in a more um significant way um and a part of me has to believe that like the, the, the misogyny like you know fuck, yeah. fucking like men um and so i even though you know she did not have the career that i think she deserved um i i, I i'm so happy uh that she has these like iconic. Uh, uh, she's been able to have these cameos, and and you know younger queer people have are noticing it or um, getting to know her through you know uh, Drag Race and all those things. She she did have a dance hit with her daughter. Her daughter redid the song Magic. It was called You Have to Believe, and Derek Barry's in the video. Oh, see, oh. <laughs> people die. You're people selling die. it. People what die. a what a way to get us in. <laughs> it's real bad, <laughs> but uh. Um, but yeah, so I I loved this watch. Uh, thank you guys so much for bringing Olivia to us. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, even the amount of times I've seen Greece already, but like re-seeing it again with new eyes, there's there's more there. Like it, there's some rich text in there. It's horny as fuck. <laughs> I have to say, you both opened you both opened Greece up for us, and Damien and I talk about it in earnest like every year. Get really drunk and like have deep conversations about it. But I feel like you two both un op- like unearthed two moments that were very well and deeply read. So thank you both. And I guess that wraps up our episode on Olivia Newton-John. Uh, yeah, I do want to say one real quick thing, by the way, and I'm so glad that you got to see her in her Las Vegas residency. She has mentioned that it's maybe one of her favorite jobs because it felt like a real job for the oh. first time, where she like got to go out, do a show, and then like have a life. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I was like, that sounds yeah. lovely. Yeah. I love the fact that she you. got to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you both so much. This is your chance to plug your show and plug anywhere that people can find you online. So I'm going to let you have as much time as you want to talk about your stuff. Thank you both so much. We love mixed reviews so much and what you all do here. So thank you for having us on. We have a weekly podcast called You Might Know Her From with Damien and Anne that you can find on any podcast platform or everywhere that you listen. Um, and we have new actress interviews every week where we shoot the shit with each other and then talk to an actress. Um, so we hope that you will find us there. You can find me online everywhere at Rodeman. That's my last name with my first R-O-D-E-M-A-N-N-E. Damien, I'm throwing to you. And you can find me at Damian Bellino, Damian with an A. Um, yeah, <laughs> dig into the archives of our podcast. We have interviewed Olivia Newton-John and Jason Ann. Chime in here if I'm forgetting anybody. But we interviewed Dinah Manoff, who's in Greece. And we talked a lot about Greece. So Ooh, yeah. check that one Went out. Went very deep. Yeah, we have 110 episodes. Like Damian said, please go back and find it. We are queer people that are mostly only interested in women and non-cis people. And that's all that we interview on our show. Um, so uh, please find us wherever you can. Yeah, the episodes are so good. I mean, it's it's kind of bonkers. I mean, like Heather Matarazzo. But I mean, even your latest episode, Anna Maria Horsford, like like these people and and these should be more household names. I grew up weirdly enough watching Amen. Same. So yeah. like she, yeah. So I have that like viewpoint of her, and I just I love 
And like, we know, we know we're looking at you. So obviously like it is the opportunity to like kiss up to you. But even if you guys weren't here, your show is so good. And it is not just about the people that you're interviewing. It's the way that you conduct your interviews. Very you're, well done. They're so good. They're so well researched. You're so professional and you're so much fun. And you really get these people to open up. And so, yeah, I think if if you're looking for a really amazing show, please look up. You might know her from. It's so, so good. And you guys are so talented at what you do. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much. We love what you all do too. And thank you for having us on the show. This has been like a total, total pleasure. So Gavin, where can people find us? Well, if you want to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to write us a little love note, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram. Gavin does fun little videos and things at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us, you can find us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, Amazon, all the major evil corporations. And if you, <laughs> and if you listen to us on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts is what they call it now. Please stop by, leave us a five-star rating, write us a little review. We'll read it on the show. Uh, we, we've we recently gotten a spate of just ratings, mm. but please write us a review if you can. Because we'll it, take whatever we can get. Yeah, okay? but, but I mean, it helps It helps the algorithm. I actually just reviewed your guys' show on Apple Podcasts, so, so you know, it's helpful. Spread the love. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's our show. That's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Keep an eye out for our poll. Um, and until then... Love you, gals. Bye-bye. The love, the echoes of long ago, you need-